Good morning, good afternoon, and indeed, good evening, and welcome back to a podcast where two grown men make rude jokes, question each other's sexuality, and talk shit for two hours, then record it and release it to the public, because they're clearly unhinged. Talk until the joy is gone. Yeah. My name is Rooney, and I don't want to alarm anyone, but I'm pretty bloody awesome. That, that That's it, that's my intro. And here with me, lurking like a spider in a hole, is a reason for the sudden profusion of neighbourhood watch groups around our hometown. Reggie. <laughs> like in true touching fashion, you've given us an intro for an episode that I haven't prepped. Whereas for the episode that I prepped, which was us just talking shit and being filthy for two hours, you had a completely different intro. Oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> I'm good at that. Yeah. I specifically try and make sure the intros have nothing to do with the episode. Which is, it's, it's impressive that you can do that, considering you have no idea what I have what no idea what, you, what you're bringing every week. Yeah, that is quite, I just wanted to make sure it had nothing to do with, like, Arnold Schwarzenegger or, like, Conan, Swords and Sorcery or any of that nonsense. Oh, no. Because um, I was like, yeah, no, we've got, we've got plenty of that to discuss. Yeah. <laughs> Not many notes, but... Not many uh, notes, no. I've got lots of trivia. Good. Loads of fucking trivia. Maybe we should do trivia and then find what you love and get out, because I'm knackered and you've got a headache. So. Yeah, we're on, we're on top form today, folks. Yeah, this could possibly be the most low-energy touching ever. It really could, because <laughs> it's normally me that makes up for it, and I don't have it in me today. I drunk three large cups of coffee this morning and I'm still falling asleep watching the film right on my notes, so... Let's, let's all pray to the energy gods that I find something from somewhere because this is not going well. See, I was in bed at like just after midnight last night, which for me on a Saturday. Yeah, it's, it's early. It's early. And I was like, oh, okay. Everyone else is going to bed. And I was like, well, I'm not really doing anything. Fuck it, I'll go to bed. And then I didn't wake up this morning until like fucking what, like 10 o'clock or something. Lucky, yeah. Yeah. It was nice. Oh. I only got up then because I had stuff I had to do this morning. I woke up at 10 to 7 and couldn't get back to sleep. <laughs> Oh, I've done plenty of that. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I'm sure you've had a pretty stressful week. I've had an incredibly stressful week, but for reasons I don't want to talk about. So let's just say my central nervous system is <laughs> fried. Is it? Is it the fact that I made you drive around <coughs> London yesterday? No, that was just the, the final now. That was just the crowning glory. <laughs> the stress-induced anxiety coffin, was, that was it, yeah. <laughs> so so uh, for, for a little bit of background here, folks, obviously those of you who listened last week, We'll know that I was moaning about my car. Was it last week? Or week yeah, no, it was last what week. Was last week. God, it seems like seems a lot longer mm. ago than a week. Um, it's because we've actually had a lot of life shit this week. Yeah, a lot of stuffs happened like, this week. Wow. Um, so my car obviously was knackered. Uh, it went into the garage. They were like, they phoned me up after a few hours. I'm like, hey, there's nothing wrong with it. It's fine. We've 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 drained the system. We've we've tested it. We've refilled it. 165 pounds is good to go. And I'm like, hey, because considering. Um, I spent three hundred pounds getting my car towed, uh, three hundred thirty pounds getting my car towed, to uh, three point two miles. Yeah, that's nuts. That's that. When you guys said, well, I phoned up and I was like, yeah, I need to book it. I phoned, this was like last week. I phoned up and they said, no, no, I phoned us up the day before. We'll book it in. And I was like, okay, fine. So I phoned them up. I'm like, yeah, I need this picking up. I need to get to here for eight o'clock. So I need picking up at half past seven. Okay, yeah, no problem. It, whether it's address, details, blah blah blah. Pardon me. All booked for you. We'll see you on. Which is my morning. So I'm like, oh, great, fabulous. Um, on their website, it says, you know, pickups from £50. So I'm like, well, it's a full flatbed. It's like three miles. I'm thinking maybe 60 
80 quid at a push. Yeah. Um, apparently, my mum had, had decided it would be somewhere around 100. Um, and I was like, oh, no, okay, fair enough. So the guy rocks up. Obviously, I'm like half asleep. This is Friday morning. You didn't get a quote on the phone. When didn't you get a quote on the phone or anything. Oh. Yeah. It's, it's my fault for being far too trusting. Yeah. And I was like, oh, okay, great. They've got good reviews and all that shit. So I'm like, yeah, we're getting the car. We're driving down there. What made it particularly great is that me and this uh, South African driver are bitching about insurance companies, how you pay all this money and you get nothing back and yeah. moaning about recovery companies. Again, how you pay all this money and you get nothing back, blah, blah, blah. Uh, and how they're a massive ripoff. Ten minutes later, we pull up and he's like, okay, yeah, here's the bank details. I'm like, how much am I paying? Because I asked him while we are driving and he was like, oh, I'll show you the invoice and we'll sort all that out when we arrive. <laughs> Which, had I been awake, would have set little alarm bells yeah. ringing and then I told him to stop and do it there and then. Um, so we get there uh, and he's like, there's the bank to like, well, how much? He's like, oh yeah, here's the invoice. And he goes, loads that up and holds his phone over and it's like, there's the invoice. And I'm like, oh, yeah. well, it was like 200 and something plus VAT, which yeah. obviously comes to 330 quid. And I'm like, what? I've only been in the car five minutes. And I'm like, wow. oh, okay. Uh, hang on a minute. <laughs> Transferring money. Transferring money. <laughs> but I'm like fucking balancing the book sort yeah. of thing to pay this guy. And then I pay him it. And of course, he wouldn't sit there. He wouldn't get out of the car, get out of the truck and let my car down. Of course Until not. So he confirmed yeah. that it had arrived. And I was like, oh, What would he have done if you'd said, oh, I can't afford it? Just bought, taking you all the way back home. I don't know. So use twice the petrol. No, because they'd still charge me because it says on the website that cancellations within twenty four hours. Oh, they'll charge. They'll still charge you the full amount. It's like cancellations when you find out how much we when are you making. Find out you you for. Yeah. <laughs> so anyway, they they tell me like, yeah, they've got this master technician in. He's in this garage on a Friday and he does oh. this complicated sort of work. Uh, and he's like, yeah, one hundred sixty five pounds. It's all done. We've road tested it. No problems. I'm like, oh great. He's like, you know, so I can go ahead and replace the entire clutch, but that's one thousand and fifty pounds. And I'm like. Let's, let's, let's go with this, shall we? Yeah. I didn't even make it halfway home before it started going wrong. <laughs> I broke down in Friday night, rush hour traffic, going up a hill along one of the main routes around here. Just for the record, I was far more compassionate when I had this story yesterday. Yes, he was, to <laughs> be fair. I, I do Today have, I will laugh at him. <laughs> there, there, are, there, there are a lot of people, uh, I, won't, I won't name and shame, um, there are a lot of people who uh, reached out to me when my car's been broken down, offering me lifts, Offering, you know, to get me, to get Cody and Amy, to tow the car and all sorts. Is that because I shamed everyone last week? Because you shamed everyone yeah. last week. I, I assume so, because I I was, I have been deluged with messages when I posted on Friday night that I was still having trouble. Yeah. Um, I had messages coming in all over the place. Repli replies to posts, yeah. DMs, fucking WhatsApps, all sorts. Oh, where are you? Do you need picking That's up? because it wasn't like 11 o'clock at night. It's yeah, because yeah. it was fucking Friday, yeah. Friday afternoon. Um. But yeah, so that was fucked, um, and I ain't paying a thousand pound for a car I want to sell anyway. So, hang on, you couldn't have got one of these other people that's probably more confident about driving in London to drive in London yesterday. No, no. <laughs> well, it was you or my sister. And to be honest, my, my well, sister's this deluge of people. Oh no, they were willing to, to come and get me. Doesn't mean they want to take me down to London to buy a new car because all of my new cars have to come from London, obviously. Mm. So yeah, I, I I've purchased a new little runaround, a little fucking a little Japanese lunchbox. Which is going to see me through the next 12 months while I flog off my car and, and, yeah, basically clear that debt. And once that's done, but it was done in London and I had to get someone to take me. Mm. So, uh, and since I figured, you know, I've never been in a car with Reggie driving. 
do you know what? I How can was, I maximise the experience? I was convinced you were just like completely adverse to ever getting in the car with me. Like you were never ever going to do it until yesterday, until you were desperate, and then you were like, "Fuck it, <laughs> I'll, I'll take my life in my own." My mind. sister moaned at me yesterday evening. I went round there. Yeah. I had to get some stuff out of out of the the, the Yeti, and I was like, oh, "I need the key. What do you need the key for?" I was like, "Well, I need to get some stuff out of there to put into my new car," and they were like, "What? What? What?" And I was like, yeah, yeah. And my sister was like, where'd you get it from? I know, my mum was like, where'd you get it from? I was like, oh, down in London. My sister was just like, how did you get to London to get the car? I was like, Reggie took me. And you should have seen her face. Oh, my God. You'd think that I just pissed in her tea or something. Well, it wasn't tea. It was Bailey's she was drinking. You'd think I just pissed in her Bailey's or something. She was horrified. She was like, well, my scotch wrist. And I was like, well, no, because I've been relying on you really yeah. heavily over the last week. I've been borrowing your car. You've towed me home. I was like, so I said if I had to go into London or anything, I'd ask Reggie to do it. Oh, oh, I see. I just get to do all the shit jobs. When you go off and do the interesting stuff, all the fun stuff. I was like, it wasn't fun. He spent 20 minutes stood in the rain. Yeah. And an hour driving down there in the rain. <laughs> I was like, it and really then, wasn't fun for him. Then I got ditched on the way home. Yeah. <laughs> Junction, and we should have gone left to start with. Yeah, and I didn't realise it because I had both sat navs up, comparing them. I was following you. Yeah, I had the sat nav on because I knew at some point with all the traffic mm. we were going to get. I wasn't going to be able to follow you the whole way, so yeah. I had it up and running and ready. And it was getting more and more angry with me every time we went yeah. the wrong way to the garage. Oh, really? to get oh yeah, when it was going to the petrol station. Yeah, and then when we come out, I was le- legit just following you, and then we got. We got uh, split up, and then I was just. It was like, it was okay. it was hanging that Yui that did it yeah. because I was like, right, well, we need to go now. If he's quick off the mark, he'll be able to get through as well. Nah. And then I looked back, and I was like, <laughs> oh, he didn't make it. And then I'm sort of peering in my in my rearview mirror because I was like, but we're going up here yeah. now, and I don't know if he knows we're going up here. Yeah, I was alright. <laughs> I had to sit and have going. Oh. There was one part when we were come out of the garage and we were going through the housing estates. <laughs> one of the many many housing yeah. estates we drove through. You yesterday. were like you flew ahead of me and i was desperately yes. trying to catch up with you but there was speed bumps every like five seconds so yep. i'm like foot down break, break. speed bump <laughs> foot down break speed bump and then i just about caught up with you and then i went do you know you. why you caught up with me because you stopped because i stopped yeah i was like oh he was behind me oh wait where the fuck is he have i lost him and then i could just see this little speck and i was like i recognize that speck yeah. So I just coasted yeah. up to the up to the junction and waited until you were behind me. Like, I know you'd yeah, I know you'd like to drive like properly, but come on. <laughs> I thought you were all the way here. Don't ditch me already. <laughs> but no, like apart from the traffic on like to get to go round the roundabout and come back the other way on a yeah. circular. Yeah, it was absolutely it fun was, getting yeah, yeah, the, it the drive home forward, was yeah. just like basically a straight line, one junction change and yeah. then you come off. Yeah. To drive there, which so it's pretty good idea in the car to like yeah, the drive the there was, was horrible, <laughs> distract me. But yeah, I can I say like he can drive, ladies. Well, I say he can drive, he can drive an automatic. I got I got the <laughs> ultimate compliment, the ultimate Rooney compliment, anyway. Yesterday, <laughs> well, I've been in cars with worse drivers, I I've been, yeah, I've been in cars with worse drivers, so <laughs> I, I, I didn't fit, I only feared for my life a couple of times. And I got home, and my mom was like, Did he say thank you? I was like, No, he didn't say thank you, but he did in his own way. And she was like, What do you mean? I was like, He texted me to ask me if I died. <laughs> <laughs> well, I was like, I didn't really have time to say thank you because we got yeah, there, and then like it was like, Okay, go, go, go. And then we were driving in separate cars, and I hadn't hooked up my phone to the Bluetooth yet. 
So I was like, I'll give him a ring. And I was like pushing it. It's like, I'm no phone connected. I'm like, I really don't fancy no. trying to hook my phone up whilst I'm driving a car I don't know in a place I don't know. I would never have answered anyway. <laughs> <laughs> I was too busy, like, trying not to swerve off the road in the rain. So, yeah, if you were down in Dagenham yesterday, you probably yeah. saw us, like, cursing your fucking road layouts. We got there and you were, like, looking at the car and stuff. And I was like, oh, yeah, I've got a coffee in my car. <laughs> so I was like, he's going to be a while looking at this car. He's going to take it seriously. So I was gone for, like, 90 seconds at most, going back to my car to get my coffee. I got back, no car, no room. And I was like, <laughs> oh, motherfuckers test driving it. Well, I can't go to- back and wait in my car. Because I don't know when he's going to come back, so I guess I'll just stand here in the rain like an idiot. <laughs> and the, the bloke you bought it off, he had a Prius that was parked outside as well. Yeah. Every 30 seconds, a car would drive past and set the alarm off. <laughs> and it would go off for about two minutes, and then someone would turn it off. And then, like, literally 30 seconds later, a car would drive past and the alarm would go off. And I would he was... Just... <laughs> we'd looked at it, and like, I'd already... I already knew, basically, most of the faults on the yeah. car, so I wasn't really looking at that. I was looking for anything extra and seeing what it actually looked mm. like in the flesh sort of thing. Um, and he sort of popped the bonnet, and he was like, "This." he's like, some people like to see that. I was like, yep, that's definitely an engine. All the bits, <laughs> all the engine bits are in I, there. That was when I went to get my coffee, and when he popped, when he popped the thing up, and I was like, <laughs> yeah. I'll leave him to it. I, I, I checked the tyres and the brakes. I knew it had brand new brakes on there yeah. and everything, and I was just like, yeah, okay. And I was, he was like, do you want to hear it running? I was like, yeah, yeah, okay. And I was sort of looking at it and talking about it, and he said, like, you want to, Take it for a drive. I was like, yes, great. And I turned around and I was like, I looked at the case. I was like, where the hell's he gone? <laughs> and he was like, I uh, don't know. And I was just like, oh, maybe he's gone back to his car because it's raining. So yeah. we just assumed you'd gone back to waiting your car sort of thing. No. I it went until we drove past, back past again and saw you standing yeah, there. Just standing there in the rain like a right dickhead. <laughs> and then you beeped and I was like waving. Yeah, I was like, oh, look, there he is. And the guy re- reached over and just beeped the horn. And yeah. I was like, hi. <laughs> I would tell you what, I was so glad that you needed petrol because I really, really needed to pee. Again? I would, yeah. I would oh, because you had your big coffee. I would, like, because we peed when we got there, right? Yeah. And then I was like, I have my coffee now, I'm empty. So I had that. And then, like, I sat in my car and I was waiting for you. And I was like, oh, no, I need to go again. <laughs> <laughs> By the time we were sat in. Little car park while you were sorting everything out. Yeah. I was like, oh, I really need to go. I really need to go. And you were like, we need to go to the garage. I was like, yes. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, it's been a it it's was, been a week. Yeah, it's yeah. I'm now I was found there this morning, um, at my mum's removing the SXGB branding for my old car. <laughs> I now need to wash it either this evening or one evening this week. Yeah. Then I can take all the pictures and get it listed and say, Hey, someone buy this this car. And strip it down or do something with it. Just take it away from me. <laughs> is your new car going to get the full Ghostbusters treatment? It is not. It's no. the wrong colour. Yeah. It's it's silver. So, and I'm not planning on having it for a very long time. So, wow, you actually going to drive a car with no stickers and no decals? Let's not I go crazy. Yeah, now. I was going to say. Let's not get wild now. The world needs to know what your personality. I was like, I could get proper ricey and pimp this up like a like a JDM. One of them JDM bros, and then I looked up what JDM means, and I was like, well, it's a Japanese car, but it's actually built either in France or in North England. So putting JDM stickers on, I was like, I can get, I thought it was really cool. It was like a barcode, right. and it said made in Japan. And I was like, me being a fucking weirdo, this is perfect. And then I actually looked it up, and I was like, oh, 
no, wait, this isn't made in Japan. It was designed in Japan, and you can't get them in Japan. But this one has got French windows and, and English bodywork. So, <laughs> yeah. yeah, no, probably don't do that, because actual JDM bros probably wouldn't be happy. <laughs> yeah, they're not going to see you. Like. I drive my car around Harlow. Like I, I go to that. I well, don't even I, know what a JDM Pro is. I'm just uh, JDM stands for Japanese Domestic Market, right? And they're ba- it's basically a car that's been was designed and built for the J- Japanese domestic market, and, and it's since been here. imported somewhere else. Like my Cube was. Yeah, that was a JDM car, but they also did it was like <laughs> it also didn't work. Also didn't work. Did it ever work? Did you ever? Oh yeah, I drove it. I used it for like two weeks, and then it broke. But I also sold it for the same amount that I bought, uh, paid for it. So I was driving on the M11. I just, no, on the North Circular yesterday. We go to the most glamorous locations, folks. Yeah, absolutely, yeah. <laughs> and then um, I, in the distance through, through the fucking rain, yeah. I just see flashing orange lights. And as I get closer, I see RAC. And my first thought was, he's not broken down already, is he? <laughs> <laughs> I was like, it would be classic Rooney it, style. It would be proper. That would be yeah. me buying a car yeah. all over. <laughs> but no, no I, I made it home nicely. It's, it's not a motorway car. Is it not? No, it's not. No. It's uh, it's like, yes, yeah, 1.6, 16 valve, Entech engine. And I'm like, oh, yeah, get it on the motorway. And it's like, come on, come on, you can do it. <laughs> <laughs> but that's not what I bought it for. No. It's, it's to poodle me, do the, the, well, like I said, it was 3.2 miles from my house to, to well, to the garage. Yeah. The, my office is actually probably 0.2 miles closer. Okay. So it's three miles from my house to the office and three miles back. So and it's... Been- Pretty much the same to take Amy to and from work. Yeah, so that's it, really. Yeah. And shopping. But yeah, and the occasional shopping and and uh, driving out to the the Bewilderwood oh, yeah, when we record Touch Yugi today. Yeah. And to the back of beyond. But yeah, basically, it's going to be driving around the streets of Harlow. Fair enough. Oh, beg pardon. I did find, um, I was looking, what was I looking for? Wasn't it? For air fresheners mm. in the car because it's got that typical used car smell where they've bought the generic floral fragrant shit to make it not smell like a used car does it smell better than mine um no (laughs) (laughs) i won't describe what your car smelled like anyone who knows you will probably take an educate dog and a certain type of plant um lavender lavender absolutely lavender because it's just like his hoodies although he's not today he's wearing his his goth hoodie today yeah um tired (laughs) yeah the tired hoodie yeah um no, yeah, I was, so I was looking for it, and I found the flashing LED lights that I had mounted in the windscreen of my taxi. Oh, yeah. I, was like, I could fit them. I'm like, no! No, no don't start <laughs> with those shenanigans, Rooney! <laughs> I'm still debating whether to put the CB in this car. I took that out of the Yeti today, and I do quite like the CB radio. Even if I don't ever use it, it looks cool. <laughs> That's just typical, Rooney. <laughs> yeah. I have no use for it. No use whatsoever. But it looks cool. So. It looks cool. People get in like... Oh, what's that? That's a CB radio. And they pick up their hands and I'm like, can I use it? And I'm like, yeah, all right, I'll turn it on. And they're just like talking to static because I, I think the aerial cable's yeah. damaged, so it doesn't actually work. That's why I have exactly no conversation stars in my car. <laughs> Whatsoever. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's true. It's true. There is, there is no hint of personality in your car. No. It is, aside from the dog fur... On the dashboard, does, does Poppy sit in the front or the back? In the back, but uh, I guess gets it. Yeah. yeah. Aside, yeah. Aside from the, the the dog fur on the dashboard, there is nothing that could be anybody's yeah. car. 
so generic. I mean, it's, they're, they're generic cards anyway. Yeah. But yeah, you've not put any imprint on there at all. I don't like cards. What, what do I care? You don't like anything. No, I do. It's really struggling now, folks. Lavender. <laughs> I'm going to buy you a lavender air freshener for a fucking car. I'm going to get a personalised one that says Reggie on it. I like stuff. I just don't feel the need to, like, personalise my car. I don't like my car. It literally gets me from A to B. I don't really see the point in, like personalising it or making it homely because I just don't like being in there. So what's the you point? You should get one of those bead car seat covers. <laughs> <laughs> They're orthopedic. <laughs> Chiropractic or something. You already spent 20 minutes taking the piss out of my driving. The way I sit when I drive and the oh, fact God. that I was wearing a flat cap while I was driving. Oh, God. I mean, come on, mate. You, you're, you're what? You're probably an inch taller than me. Yeah. And yet... I put my seat back when I got into your car. Yours was a good fucking 10 centimetres further forward than mine. That's how I feel more in control when I'm right. You had your, knee, your knees up around your chin, That's your hands like folded drive. in front of you like a little T-Rex with your oh. flat cap on. That's how I like to drive. So all I need now is a bead cover for my seat. Get a bead cover for your seat and, and you're there, Copper mate. Light, late middle-aged. Copy, copy of the Daily Mirror on the passenger seat that you just picked up from corner shop. You know, you're supposed to have, when you're driving, your hands are supposed to be like this, so that if you crash, you've got space to flex. Because if your hands are like yours, when you crash, it basically, you do a Stephen Strange and you mulch yourself into yeah, the... I don't feel in control when I... Because I have driven with my seat further back. Yeah. And my legs nice and, like, relaxed. Yeah, I actually had some space. I don't feel in control. I need to be right up on it to feel in control of the I, car. Uh, yeah, I used to do that. Yeah. And then I got comfortable driving, and now I basically put it as far back as I can, and yeah. I'm basically horizontal. I've only been driving, like, four years, so... <laughs> <laughs> when I said like that, I meant, like, within the first six months. Yeah, but you know me. Like, I'm not like most people. <laughs> no, no, you are not. Give me, like, another six years, and the seat will go back a couple of inches. It'll start working its way back, yeah. <laughs> It's not in my nature. I need to be in control. So when I sit further forward, I feel I'm in control. There was only no personality in my car yesterday because I left the music off so I could concentrate on the road. Yeah, that's true. We did. Yeah, I did mention that. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Otherwise, there would be personality. No, there wouldn't because what's that? That's just paired to your phone. Yeah. Like the only addition you've made to that car is plugging in the receiver, the Bluetooth thing, so you can play music. On Spotify, I don't have to use the TV, the five... CD player, interchangeable CD player. Yeah, I saw that. It's got the inter- it's got the multi-changer and a regular CD slot. Yeah. Mate, all mod cons. I don't. You <laughs> <laughs> so I saw how my car struggles to work, right? No, it worked all right, didn't it? I, I, I just put any 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 uh, jolts or anything, I just put down to your driving. Oh, yeah, it was all my driving. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> all my shitty, shitty driving. <laughs> Even though I'm completely in control. Like, yeah, wow. totally in control. Well, thank you for driving me, and thank you for not killing me. Oh, well, it was it was my pleasure to drive you, and it was even bigger pleasure not to kill not you. Not to kill me. <laughs> That's good to hear. Do you want to hear about Peru's unexplained gate of the gods? Yes, yes, I do. The gate of the gods is an ancient structure in Peru with mysterious origins. No one knows who built it or why. Oh. In southern Peru, on the side of Hayumarca, Marso Mountain, there is a large and mysterious stone doorway carved into the rock. The origin of this doorway, known as Arum, Arumu Maru, 
Aramumaria, <laughs> is unknown, but its existence provides insights into the ancient Peruvian culture. It was discovered in 1996 by a local tour guide named Jose Luis Delgado uh, near Lake Titicaca. I his knew names are when amazing. I was making these notes yesterday. I was like, the second I get to Titicaca, he's gonna laugh. <laughs> I mean, come on! You got a mountain called Hey Mushy, and you're up on you're looking at a Maru Mamu with with Titicas Lake, and fucking Jose Von Gilles is fucking exploring it. I mean, come on! Are you making this up? No, I wish I was. <laughs> I would have made everything way more pronounceable. If I, if I was making it up. Yeah, on the side of Mount Bob, yeah. <laughs> there was a man named Joe. <laughs> Uh, yeah, near Lake Titicaca, the largest freshwater lake in South America. Since its discovery, Aramu Maru, also called the Gate of the Gods, has been surrounded by myths and legends about how it was built and its purpose. For thousands of years, the area around the mountains and Lake Titicaca was home to various ancient indigenous communities, including the Inca civilization. The Inca believed that Lake Titicaca was the birthplace of the world and where spirits returned after death. It is widely believed that Aramu Maru served as a place of pilgrimage and worship for the Inca, and stories abound about the supernatural powers of the doorway. The structure is believed to have been used for ceremonial or astronomical purposes. It stands seven metres high and seven metres wide, with a, small, with a smaller door-shaped recess in the centre. Visitors claim to feel safe and peaceful when they rest their foreheads inside the smaller recess. Although little is known about the origin of the door, it is believed to predate the Inca, and many many Native American communities have culturally significant tales about its uses. The prevailing mythology suggests that the doorway is a portal or stargate used for travelling to other worlds. Some people also believe that the door is used by gods as a means of visiting and inspecting their realms. Despite being thought to predate the Inca, Aramu Maru is named after an Inca legend. According to the legend, while fleeing from the Spanish invaders, an Inca priest named Aramu Maru <laughs> took a golden solar disc known as the Key of the Gods of Seven Rays from the Coricancha Corri- Temple in Cusco. He carried it over 450 kilometers to the stone doorway and placed the disc on the door. Allegedly, the door opened like a portal and the priest passed through it, disappearing. Do you think this could have ever been a Stargate? <laughs> I, I don't think it's like the Stargate we know. Uh, no? With the big DRD where you punch the runes for where you want to mm. go and then you get the the you know late 90s, early noughties water effect coming out of it and the iris shutters open. Damn, that's what I thought it was. I mean, it'd be cool if it was, but it sounds like it's far more difficult to open because I haven't got a golden solar disc, solar of, the disc of the seven rays. Oh, have you not? I mean, you got a lot of crap in this house. I got a lot of crap. I've got a 3D printer. Maybe I can print one. Yeah. I've got some gold spray paint. Uh, we'll, we'll be, it'll be golden, mate. <laughs> the, the term Stargate is a bit misleading, right? Uh, I don't know. Cause it, it's, I mean, it's a gate to the stars. Yeah. Ever since they made that film, it's become a bit misleading, right? <laughs> Yeah, but I can imagine it was being called a Stargate before 1997. Oh, right, so the film is misleading. Yeah, the film is misleading. Yeah, okay. Maybe it's based on the Amamururu, whatever Maybe. it's called. No, because they believe, we talked about it once when Lou was with us, uh, when they thought that there was ah, a Stargate. Back in the early days. Yeah, back in the first hundreds. Um, 
they thought it was a Stargate in the Middle East, didn't they? And that's what, oh, that's right, yeah. It's the conspiracy theory that that's why they really went to war. That's Not why they went Royal. to war was to reclaim it. Yeah, the Stargate. Yeah. But they didn't go to war in Peru, so no, probably so unlikely. This, it was Stargate. this Stargate. There is a theory that there are like either seven or nine. I can't remember which one now. Portals around the world being kept secret mm. and hidden. So this could be one of them. Why do you think it wasn't discovered before 1996? I think when they say it was discovered in 1996, it was rediscovered in 1996. Yeah, of course, yeah. yeah. And it's probably because, you know, people don't generally go looking at the side of mountains in Peru. But this guy was a tour guide, so he was clearly guiding people around this place day after day after day. And surely if people were going to monetize by touring, they would have had yeah. a look around. Like, but, I know it wasn't discovered for the first time. It was rediscovered by in modern yeah. times. But... Still, 1996 seems a bit late. Probably because no one was looking. I, I can imagine he didn't find it on purpose. That was probably a route they didn't normally take. Okay. And there was like a landslide <coughs> or angry goats or something on the normal route. So they had to take an alternate route. And he's like, oh, wait, look at this. This is very interesting. Um, and no one can pronounce my name. So I'll find this and then people can talk about it on podcasts. Okay. <laughs> Were there even podcasts in 1996? He knows. I mean, probably, but they were all on tape. Yeah. <laughs> Floppy disk. If it's not a Stargate, what do you think could be behind the door? Um, a very sleepy god. Okay. That would make sense. Is it? Yeah, this is the doorway of the gods. I'm literally, I'm spitballing here. I say describe. I am making sense. this up as I go along. I'm doing a Reggie here. Yeah. Because um, this is not something I know anything about, so this is completely new on me. Well, you might um, know something about an X Wing, hopefully. Okay, fingers crossed. Um, but there are very old uh, myths and folk tales of gods residing within mountains. Um, okay. Not so much Crom, because he's not a real god, despite what this ha- this film would have you to believe. Oh, crap, I was about to start crying <laughs> to Crom. It's no good playing to him. He doesn't listen, he doesn't care. I thought I'd get like super roided out muscles and every girl would want to sleep with me. <laughs> Everyone would want to sleep with you. <laughs> yeah. We saw the way some of those other guys were looking at him. <laughs> not the priest, I don't want him to. <laughs> not the priest, him. nobody wants the priest. <laughs> um, but yeah, like rumours of, of various gods living in the ground, titans and what have you. Yeah. So... If the idea of one of these super supernatural prehistorical beings being buried beneath there, and this being effectively a way for uh, Peruvian priests and their predecessors to whisper into that god's or titan's ear, yeah, that would kind of make sense. It would. I mean, Arthur's Seat, which is the big, not really a mountain, but the big kind of huge giant hill in Edinburgh. Mm. The legend of that is that a dragon went to sleep. Yeah. And then that formed that. All over the top of him. Yeah. So there you go. That's what I think it is. Okay. So an old god. like a, An old god lurking in the ground. A bit like a, a Lovecraft god. Not, not necessarily Lovecraftian. Something Norse or uh, Greek because okay. they had the Titans. Yeah. Uh, and I can't remember what the creatures were that created the Titans, but they're the gods of the, the gods' parents sort of thing who then created the gods and the Titans. Yeah. Um, but yeah, maybe some of them lurking there. They're, they're all, the Titans are all supposed to be buried in the ground. And yeah. yeah, it's one of them. Okay. <laughs> I don't think it's a Lovecraftian horror. Have you ever heard of... Bear with me. <laughs> Sushinoko, the Sushinoko. Japanese snake-like being. 
I have not. Oh, fucks. <laughs> I seem to have taken the two things off that website you showed me a few months ago. That you've that I not don't read actually about. know yeah. about, yeah. Okay. Tsushinoko are a snake-like cryptid from Japan said to be about the size of a cat with scaly skin and viper-like fangs. Isn't that just a snake? Sushinoko are a type of yokai that have a short, stumpy, snake-like appearance with a body shape that resembles a hammer or a mallet head without a handle. They have scaly skin in various earth tones with light-coloured bellies and viper-like fangs carrying a lethal venom. Unlike typical snakes, they have eyelids. And disclaimer, I did not know that, that this week's film would revolve so heavily around snakes. Around snakes. <laughs> and in fact, there's a whole scene that, re- that has a snake's eye and shows yeah. they don't have eyelids. Um, <laughs> Synchronicities. Be, be, when I did my, my prep <laughs> yesterday, yeah. Uh, these creatures can range in size from 30 to 80 centimetres long and are often compared to beer bottles due to their shape and colour. So that's like one of them school rulers. Yeah. To three of them school rulers, basically. Basically, yeah. These creatures can be found throughout Japan and are most active during the day, from spring through fall. During the winter, they hibernate in nests that they create in holes along wooded riverbanks. Sushinoko are known to make a chi sound and snore while sleeping. When they are young, Sushinoko feed on insects, but as they grow, they begin to consume larger prey, such as frogs, mice, and sometimes even cats or dogs. Despite their small size, Sushinoko are capable of consuming vast amounts of food. They are are also attracted to the smell of miso, dried Mm. squid, and burning hair, and have a fondness for sake. Uh, Despite their unusual shape, Sushinoko are incredibly agile and can move like an inchworm. Their most well-known behaviour is their ability to roll and tumble about. Sushinoko are also skilled jumpers able to jump as far as 2 to 5 metres. They can roll sideways like a log, tumble vertically from tip to tail, or even swallow their tail to form a ring and roll like a wheel. In this way, they are similar to the American hoop snake. In more whimsical accounts of the Sushinoko, they are said to possess the gift of speech and the tendency to tell falsehoods. They are also rumoured to have a liking for alcoholic beverages. Since prehistoric times, Japanese folklore has included creatures resembling Sushinoko. Pottery and stone tools from the Jomon period have been discovered featuring motifs resembling short, stumpy snakes. During the Edo period, which I know for a fact is the 1500s, <laughs> numerous folkloric encyclopedias documented venomous yakai with rolling snake-like qualities, such as the Nozuchi and Suchi Korobi. The Kojiki, which is the oldest recorded collection of Japanese legends and tales, includes a reference to the Tsushinoko. Have you read the Kojiki? Uh, I haven't. I've read excerpts from it. You are... You're an expert on all things weird and wonderful and a weirdo, and you've not read the Kojiki. <laughs> There's a lot to get through, mate. <laughs> In the 1970s, Sushinoko sightings and reports of live captures garnered national attention, <laughs> causing a widespread Shukinoko boom and inciting a hunt for these creatures all over Japan. This craze was further fueled by numerous eyewitness accounts, blurry photographs, and talk show specials, which <laughs> helped establish. <clears throat> establish Sushinoko as a household name. 
Since then, Sushinoko has continued to be a topic of great interest among cryptozoologists, with monetary rewards sometimes offered to individuals who can provide photographic or physical evidence of their existence. An annual Sushinoko festival takes place on May 3rd in Gifu, where the origins of the legend can be traced. The festival involves participants hunting for a Sushinoko and a prize of 1,280,000 no, 1, yen uh, is awarded to anyone who manages to find one. I don't know what I'd do if I saw a, a snake <laughs> swallow its own towel and roll it. Just roll. Yeah. <coughs> I know what I'd do. Get my phone out and yeah. film that shit, yeah. mate. That's what I do with anything interesting these days. Uh, do you believe Sushinoko? I believe in Yokai. Yeah. I don't know if I believe in the Sushinoko specifically. Okay. It sounds like a snake to me. <laughs> yeah, but yeah. <laughs> I mean, all right, there are some odd behavioral examples given there, but to me, it just sounds like some kind of stumpy little snake. Okay. Or a, or a, a legless lizard. Okay. Fair enough. <laughs> Oh, would you like to go to the festival to hunt one? Though? Oh, very much so. Yeah, just to go to Japan. Like. Just to go to Japan, yeah. yeah. <laughs> one of my life goals is to visit Japan. Why do you think Sushinoko are all lying pissheads? <laughs> I was feeling really uninspired. <laughs> Tired and uninspired when I did my prep this week. So. Yeah, I, I was thinking that. They're, they're, they're greedy, lying little alcoholics. Snakes. And it's just like, but to be fair, you know, you look at most snakes, they're, they're, they're big, they're powerful, they're majestic. Or they're like the little green ones they've got a pet's corner at the moment and they're adorable and I want to get one and wear it as a as a bracelet. Or use it as an arrow. <clears throat> or use it as an arrow. Yeah. yeah. If you're if you're um fucking James L. Jones. Yeah. Um and then you're like and you look at like the other yokai and they're like big spider ladies and they're sea demons and they're they're other cool things. And what are you? You're a stumpy little snake. It's just like, it's no wonder they're alcoholics. Yeah, to be fair, I'd get pissed all the time and lie about how powerful I was. If exactly. I was stumpy little snake, too. Yeah. I mean, I've, I've known some some uh, small people who were also alcoholics. So, yeah, got a little bit of experience with that. Just for clarity, I'm not referring to my fiance. She is short. Um, She's not an alcoholic, though. Fun drunk, but not alcoholic. A fun drunk, yeah, but she doesn't get drunk very often. I wonder how she it doesn't feels like to fun. know that like, all your friends would rather get drunk with your fiancé than you. I mean, to be honest, it's kind of what I expected. <laughs> yeah. You're like, well, why do you think I'm going to get to her? Like, yeah. <laughs> I like getting drunk with her as well. Yeah. <laughs> so, I haven't said a world on fire with Soshinoko. You just think it's a, it's a snake? <laughs> yes, unfortunately, I think it's just a snake. I think, I feel like I've done... I, I prepped this week. I put the work in, but I've not really done a good job. I've not engaged you yet. <laughs> You've not, no, this is true. You've not elicited that massive, that moment where I just sit back and get a Cheshire cat grin. Cause, it's because my head hurts. Yeah, I'm, I'm like, let me let me recall some, some related trivia. And my brain is just like, yes, certainly. Just roll across these nails on the floor. <laughs> All right, maybe I won't. Maybe we'll just, we'll just coast through this one. Okay, we're coasting this week. So I could either... Try to engage you with one last bit of prep I did, or we could just roll it straight into the film. Let's roll it straight into the film. Okay. Although, where is it? Where did I put him? There he is, look. The bunny skull that I mentioned last week. Yeah. I brought him upstairs. I'll post a picture for everybody. Oh, are you taking a picture? No, I can. I was fine. My prep for my my last bit of prep revolved around you having skulls. Didn't I there my paranormal book stuff? <coughs> so 
This week, it should have been a touch easier today. It's probably worth mentioning in case people are looking at their calendars and going, what are they doing? I should be listening to, to Mr. Vanilla talking about AI. <laughs> you're not. No, you're not, because my car was broken, and I thought it was going to be broken. And uh, <laughs> You didn't want to get in a car with me. I didn't so. want to get in a car with Reggie. I mean, as as, uh, as circumstances fell out. You weren't out, quite desperate, yeah. I wasn't, no, at that yeah. point, I wasn't desperate. I was like, no, no we'll push it back by a week. You'll be fine. Um, so, yeah, instead, it was it. My it's my choice. Yeah, it is your choice. Um, and, I, well, it's my choice, but it's also kind of your choice because I gave you a choice of two films I was thinking of. Yeah. And uh, you chose what you picked as the lesser of two weevils. I mean, sorry. The Lesser of Two Evils. Absolutely, yeah. That, that's a reference to the film that we didn't do. Yeah, okay. I, I, <laughs> People I've that have seen, seen it will it. get it. I've never seen it. No, I know. I, I, know. Just, it's what, I love it. I just, I've just heard lots and lots of bad things about it. It's it's quite a long film, but I thoroughly enjoyed it. Uh, and it also it's got, what's his name in it? Um, Chaucer. Okay. Not actually Chaucer, yeah. but uh, the guy whose name I can't remember. Yeah, uh, Paul. Paul Bettany. Yeah. Bethany, I was going to say Paul Rudd, and I was like, no, it's the other one, the other Paul <laughs> you from the MCU. Like, what is his name in the MCU? A vision. A vision. Yeah. <laughs> that would have been easier. Yeah, that would have been. He <laughs> <laughs> was also saying something else we watched the other week. Yeah. <laughs> Neither of us are on it this week. No, I we, apologise. Uh, I don't know if it's coming across, folks, but we, we're struggling today. So instead, we watched the, the springboard of Arnold Schwarzenegger's career, uh, Conan the Barbarian. I was trying to think of other unnecessary words to throw in there, but my brain failed me. Talking of weird synchronicities, right? Anybody that has listened to like 10 episodes of this podcast (laughs) must have heard me uh, extol my love for TESD, right? (laughs) But TESD is a podcast hosted by three people, Bry, Walt, and Q. Last week, we covered Bry's favourite film, Jaws. Whilst talking, whilst doing a quiz about Q's favourite film, Ghostbusters. <laughs> and this week we're covering, I'm not sure if it's his favourite, but a film that he fucking goes on and on and on about. Uh, <laughs> Walt goes on and on and on about, sorry. Conan the Barbarian. Like, I, was, I thought, I thought about yesterday and I was like, I had no hand in this whatsoever. <laughs> no, this has all been entirely randomised. Yeah, it's all entirely you. Like, yeah. you, you invited the guest. The guest was into Ghostbusters, so we included Ghostbusters. <laughs> the, the guest was also terrified of sharks, so we covered Jaws. We covered Jaws. And then this week you did this, and I was like, that is a weird synchronicity. <laughs> and we got a chub on for synchronicities on yeah. this podcast. Oh, we love them. Um, so, no, that's what we watched. Yes. I've got a fuck ton of uh, trivia, because I kept finding stuff and going, oh, no, that's really interesting. I'll include that. I don't know how interesting anyone else is going to find it, but I found it interesting, so... Uh, without further ado... So does this mean that I get to play the role of Rooney and just moan about how dry it is? Yes. Okay. <laughs> but not yet, because I've got the standard bit to go through first. Okay. It was released 16th of March 1982 in Spain. Okay. And the 14th of May 1982 everywhere else, because it was filmed in Spain. Ah, oh, that makes and sense. And that was one of the... Uh, one of like, the trade-offs, I assume. Tax breaks, yeah. and it releases here first. Um 1982. Yeah. I wasn't even born when this came out in Spain. I was. Or indeed, I wasn't, 14th of May, I wasn't born yet. Not for another 15 days. Yeah, my mother was about to pop, yeah. but. I've been a, I've been alive about six months when this film came out. That's insane. Yeah. This film is so old. 
<laughs> Summer <laughs> Wayne. <laughs> yes, that's the thing. It's like, damn, this film is fucking ancient. And it's like, wait, it's the same age as me. I'm fucking ancient. Bearing in mind, though, last week we watched a film from 1975. Yes. That holds up way more than this holds up. Oh, absolutely, yeah. Gods. I know it was a more kind of grounded film and there wasn't, they didn't need as much mythology and attempted special effects. Yeah. But it just looks way dated. This this film this. looks so dated. I'm just checking. So I want to do a comparison because you're saying that reminds me. That so Jaws. Like a nine million budget. Yeah, had a nine million budget. Conan the Barbarian had a 20 million budget. What? Yes. How? I don't know. I suppose that <laughs> don't to, fucking know. They had to build that big, like, thing that, that he pushes around for, like, 87 They years. did build a lot of sets. Yeah. And they were all actual physical sets that were built, all of the main locations in the film. But still, you'd think with 20 million... And they did do some... Actually, they did. There are some attempted special effects as well, yes. which probably cost a lot of money. In yeah. Days. But still, Arnie's not Arnie yet, so he's not commanding big bucks. No, there there's in- not really anyone in there who at the time was a, a huge... I mean, James L. Jones is in probably the biggest name. Yeah, because he's just come off the back of being the, the voice of Vader. Vader, and yeah. he gets second billing on the yeah. credits. But even then, he's not a... He's not massive. He's not a massive bank, you know, like Arnie would be five years after this. Yeah. So I don't I don't know. There's um, a lot... There are a lot of extras. Yeah, it has a much not- bigger cast... Um, I, I really can't figure out where 20 million went. Maybe really it's because can't. it was all filmed overseas. I don't know. But then they normally Nobody do that because it's cheaper. Breaks, yeah. yeah. I don't know. Because all of that stuff, like, especially in 1982, there were vast parts of America that were just empty, right? Yeah. Look, would have looked like Absolutely, exactly yeah. like what they wanted here. Yeah. Why they did it there, there must have been some real incentives yeah. for it. But so there we go. Box office, 68.9 million. Even I can do the maths on that. It made 48.9 million profit. Yay! Obviously, compared to Jaws last week, which made 476.5 million. They were awfully confident, though, that this film was going to at least make a profit, considering right at the end, they announced the sequel. They announced the sequel, which did get made two years later. Uh, And then, obviously, it had a spin-off in Red Sonja. And then later in the mid mid noughties or 20-teens, I think it was the 20-teens, uh, it got an MMO survival game. Oh, there's loads of versions of this. Oh, yeah, yeah. There's, there's loads of, I'm just thinking of the big ones that yeah. I know of that I've interacted with. There's a remake with Jason Momoa. Yes, which I didn't know existed until you texted me about it the other day. It's like, we are doing the original, right? Yeah. I was like, what? I didn't even know that was a thing. <laughs> and there's, apparently, there's a new one, uh, The Legend of Conan. Do you not? Did you see that? I did not. Because no, I, I, I Googled earlier to find out what the second one was called. Yeah. Uh, and then Conan there was a the third one come up. Um, the Legend of Conan, which apparently they've been trying to get made for a little while, but yeah. he hasn't got a studio at the moment. Uh, but there was also uh, an animated TV, an animated cartoon, uh, oh, Conan awesome. the Adventurer, that's which what, that's, I'm was, sure it was, was a Saturday good. morning yeah. TV thing. I'm not watching a few episodes of that. I was thinking, like, <clears throat> if it had a decent enough budget, like an old grizzled Arnie now coming back playing, like playing King Conan, yeah. Yeah, playing with, an old Conan. With, like, a decent enough budget for, like, special effects and stuff. That 
They could make a really they could, incredible That film. would just be a fucking... They'd be laughing all the way to the yeah, bank, mate. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, it was directed by John Milius, who also directed Red Dawn, one of my favourite films from this time period, and Farewell to the King. Red Dawn's the one... Where the Russians invade America. Yeah. And the teenagers form a resistance group, yeah. the, the Wolverines. Yeah. yeah. It's a really good film. Um, There's a remake of that as well, and it's not very good. John Milius... Worked on Jaws as well, didn't he? He did. Yeah. There's more synchronicities or just the fact that it was a much smaller community back then. Yeah. <laughs> uh, it's based on Conan the Barbarian by Robert E. Howard, uh, which was a book he first wrote back in 1932. Yeah. Fucking ancient. And a Marvel comic layer. Yeah. It's yeah. had so many, like, he wrote one full-length novel, a whole bunch of stuff for like novelettes and stuff for magazines and, and other publications. But then he was also very open to it, to other people writing stuff based on his writings, like his short stuff, expanding it into full books or just writing whole new things set in his universe. Awesome. So there is the, like this huge, like franchise, I suppose just mm. like just there, um, which apparently people have been, getting chubbons for since 1932. I'm interested to read that book, although it's probably written in the start of 1932, it, right? I would imagine. Well, I think the, the novel was written later. Oh, okay. So that's probably 1940s or something. Oh, still still going to be very, uh, very outdated yeah. by modern standards. But I know there was a lot of stuff around the time the film came out and since then, the sort of like classic trashy sword and sorcery yeah, novels. Of course. Uh, music? By Basil Polidorius, who... Uh, it should get number one listing on the cast for this <laughs> He does so much more work than anybody else. Oh, absolutely. Mm. Um, he also did the soundtrack for Starship Troopers, okay. in which his daughter, Zoe Polidorius, sang the song at the dance. I remember talking about this yeah. on the film. Um, and he also did Red Dawn and Free Willy. Hmm. <laughs> I was like, Starship Troopers, Red Dawn. Okay, yeah, I can see those two. Free Willy? What? <laughs> yeah, he did the soundtrack for Free Willy. Hmm. And Free Willy 2 as well. Of course. Um, obviously, I mean, you know, you've got continuity, yeah. haven't you? Um, starring Arnold Schwarzenegger, James Earl Jones, Sandal Bergman, Ben Davidson, Cassandra Gaviola, Jerry Lopez, Mako, and Max von Sydow. Oh, it's somebody other than the first two's name I actually recognise. Max von Sydow. Yeah. yeah, yeah, he's a he's a classically trained actor. He's of been course, in loads yeah. of stuff. Um, he he did the voice for Vigo in Ghostbusters too. Yeah, he yeah. wasn't the physical actor; that was someone else. But no. yeah, um, Arnold Schwarzenegger called Max von Sydow the first incredible dramatic actor he ever worked with. Okay, he described von Sydow's performance as staggering for the whole. Four minutes he's on screen. I was going to say, who is he? <laughs> uh, King Osric. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's him. And I was like, I, I, well, I read that and I'm like, well, I don't remember him being in this. This better, this better be fucking amazing. And he's on screen for like all of about five yeah. minutes. And I'm like, oh, okay. I mean, he just basically played himself. <laughs> he, he's plays a pivotal role, but like, as you as you said, he's, on, he's literally he, on screen. He's barely on screen. And yeah, he doesn't really do much. Just no. sits there and talks and then... Gives them some some money and off they go. Yeah, but, um, I, I don't get something he does though. There's like a point he just like they bring over the tray with the three golden goblets for yeah. the rubies. 
And he pulls the rubies out and then picks them up and just starts putting them back in the goblet. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just it's like, like, if you want to demonstrate, just pick yeah, them yeah. up and show them. Yeah, you know? just put your hand in and then just so, let them come through your fingers. Yeah. It's, he's, a, he's a method actor. That's fine. <laughs> um, Arnold Schwarzenegger and Sandal Bergman did their own stunts as suitable body doubles couldn't be found of for course. the pair. Yeah. Because, I mean, you look at those two and it's like, no, they are like the peak yeah. of human performance at that point. Um, Arnold Schwarzenegger had weapons training, martial arts training, and horseback riding lessons, all from specialists. He trained with an 11-pound broadsword two hours a day for three months. Each broadsword cost $10,000 and had to look weathered. He also learned climbing techniques and how to fall, roll, and jump from 15 feet in the air. John Milius made sure all of these were videotaped, and according to Schwarzenegger, they were just as intense as training for bodybuilding competitions. Franco Colombo was his trainer and was rewarded with a small part in the film. At around 21 minutes in the film, the Swordmaster was played by Kiyoshi Yamasaki, Swordmaster for the actors in the film. Oh, okay. So he was the guy that was actually yeah. training them to use the swords, <laughs> and he appeared as the guy training them to use the swords. So not only did this film um, become like a almost like a demo tape, right? For Arnie, yeah. he's like, look, I did this film, now you can put me in more films. But all the training he had to do before this film yeah. definitely stood him in good stead for everything that was to come after oh, that. Oh, absolutely, because right? he, he'd already won Mr. Universe yeah. at this point, like at least once. Um, and then he kind of just did this and got to show off to a whole new audience. Yeah. Hey, look how awesome and look how ripped I am. Oh, it's not just that. Like this put him on the this put him on the radar of like Hollywood, right? Yeah. So and he, he could- had a sizzle reel going, look. Here's all the stuff I did in training for this yeah. film, so it doesn't matter what you throw at me, yeah. I can do it. Um, James L. Jones was the last-minute addition to the cast because of his commitments on Broadway. He and Arnold Schwarzenegger became friends on set. Schwarzenegger helped Jones stay in shape, and Jones coached Schwarzenegger on acting, as did Max von Sydow. I like that. That's a nice nice trade-off, isn't it? I mean, James L. Jones does not look in shape whatsoever. He does not, no. But uh, <laughs> I like the fact that they traded off. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Schwarzenegger calls the movie God's gift to his career. Yeah, of course, yeah. <laughs> Which, you know, it, it, it kind of catapulted yeah. him. Uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger kept the snake dagger as a memento. According to his autobiography, he gave it to his nephew, uh, who is a big fan of the film. Oh, okay. I'm sure you can make bare money on Etsy these days if you were to... Oh, God, yeah. Reproduce them. Yeah. Uh, the sword's inscription... Reads, suffer no guilt, ye who wield this in the name of Crom. That's obviously on oh, okay. Conan's dad's sword. Yeah. While he was governor, Arnold Schwarzenegger displayed the original sword behind his chair in the Reagan cabinet room. Fucking love that. I remember seeing some of the videos he did when he was when he was talking about like climate change and shit like that. And that it was literally on a stand on the desk behind him. And I was like, is that? That is. That's awesome. It's just like, not only am I the governor of California, motherfuckers. I've got this motherfucker's sword, yeah. and I know how to use it. Yeah. Um, <laughs> oh, how Crom. <laughs> Conan's prayer to Crom just before the Battle of the Mounds begins his last dialogue in the movie. Okay. He basically just doesn't speak from then on. Oh, it takes him 26 minutes to say anything at all, aside from... Oh, I, classic I'll, I'll Arnie sounds, note now yeah. because you get the classic Arnie groaning from yeah. the moment he gets into that pit fight. Yeah. Anytime he's in a fight or anything, it's just. <laughs> uh, 
That, but that would come become like a catchphrase for him for all of his later films. Oh yeah, there's so <laughs> many films where that gets squeezed in yeah. until we kind of went, no, no, I'm yeah. not doing this no, anymore. I'm, I'm now a sensible actor. Yeah. I'm gonna be. I'm gonna be a politician. Yeah. <laughs> uh, the film was intended to be the beginning of a series with at least four sequels in the pipeline. And Arnie had to commit to all of them when he signed oh, up. I suppose, though, it's your first film. Yeah. Yeah. Can... There's a there's a way of looking at it of like, oh, I'm going to be tied down for like five films, but at least I've got five films. I've got five films. Yeah, yeah. That, that's five paychecks. Although, as it turned out, it was actually only kind of two paychecks. So did Destroyer not do that well? Uh, I don't know. I think it did. I think it did reasonably well. Um but yeah, I, his I, career just took his off. His career took off, and he was being pulled in other directions. Yeah, and I'm but, assuming but at if that I point, had him on contract, I'm assuming at that point he had the, the heft, or indeed the lawyers, yeah, to say I'm I'm not doing any more of these, or I'll do it, but I want these changes. Yeah. And at that point in time, he was powerful. He was to big man in Hollywood. Yeah. Um, Basil Polidorius made extensive use of music a music and tempo editing hardware and software system which modified the tempo of his compositions and synchronised them with the action in the film. Conan the Barbarian was the very first film to use this system. I did not notice. Neither did I. I was looking for like some very like clear synchronisation between the two. I didn't see it. No. So either the system is very, very good <laughs> or very, very bad. I just... Some of the action in this film leaves a lot to be desired. Does indeed. Maybe that's why. Yeah. Why if, it doesn't you work. Imagine if you had some like uh, some MCU style oh, fight course, scenes, yeah. like a modern day, yeah, like choreographed action scene. Yeah. Some I of these, they're, ba- they're basically like, yeah, you two just go in and you you slap each other about a bit, and yeah. then you eventually kill him. Yeah. And they just you made bend his arm behind his back, and then like you and know, then slap hit it. it. Yeah. Why? Why would you do that? Why don't you just keep bending it and snap it out? Yeah. Oh. You go to take his helmet off and then just slap him. It literally just looked like a brawl, like yeah. two. Dr- I mean, I get it at that point in time. He doesn't know how to he fight doesn't. or anything. But it was just like watching two guys in the car park outside yeah. a pub. Yeah. Which, but if, we'll get to that. Yeah. Um, in an interview, John Milius said that the dogs they used in the film were very unfriendly and dangerous. He even went as far as to say, when you have the dogs chasing Arnold Schwarzenegger and he's running, he's actually running because he knew those dogs were very dangerous. They even attacked their own trainer. Um, Schwarzenegger actually suffered a back injury, among other various assorted injuries, while filming that scene. Okay. Uh, dogs were chasing him, jumped him from behind, and he fell down the rock he was climbing on to escape no. them. Uh, however, whenever Schwarzenegger was injured, jo- injured, John Milius felt that the film was going right, even when Schwarzenegger required stitches. <laughs> I mean, it's, not, it's the sort of thing you couldn't do oh, today, later, oh, or even today. Today, you'd never get but away back with then, it. Arnie yeah. was happy to put up with this shit because he was being paid. and Not just Arnie, but there's there's probably so many safeguarding rules involved in yeah. filmmaking these days that like people wouldn't get insured to be on set. No. It was a Without, bit different environment. Whereas back then it was just DIY, more or less DIY, right? Yeah. Just, and you, you went in, you did what you wanted to do, you got your actors, you basically got the actors to do whatever it was you could convince them to yeah. do. Um, Schwarzenegger had retired from professional bodybuilding after winning the 1975 Mister Mr. Olympia contest. He got back into such good shape while training for his role in the Conan the Barbarian that he decided to enter the 1980 Mr. Olympia contest. He won the contest. <laughs> Although there was a great deal of controversy about whether he deserved the victory. 
Uh, I'm kind of like, well, I mean, he was clearly in very good shape. I don't know enough about bodybuilding and stuff. Too. I think it was probably they, they were more. They were probably arguing that he only won because he was now famous. Oh, okay. Rather than oh, so did he do the film before he did? Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, while he was training for this, he was in like, oh, let's do that. Um, yeah, and won it. And they were like, well, you're only doing that because you're in a film now. And then, and that's the why you won. People probably give it to him so they get more exposure. Oh, yeah, that was the argument. Uh, but if he's, to be fair, if he's won it multiple times before. Yeah, you know he's got the chops for yeah. it. Yeah. Uh, Schwarzenegger was entitled to 5% of the film's profits. Oh. Which so, they clearly uh, didn't learn what from. Did we, uh, how much did we say it was? 60, uh, 68.9 million. So oh, it was 48.9 profit because okay. the budget was 20. Okay, so he made. Uh, in addition to whatever his salary was. Million or something. Yeah, he yeah. made a couple of million on top of this. Yeah, which that's not bad at all. Largely would set him up for life. Yeah. Uh, the fake blood used in the film came in the form of a concentrate, which had to be mixed with water prior to use. Due to the cold weather, it was mixed with vodka as an antifreeze instead. Oh. In the scenes in which the actors were supposed to spit the blood, they would swallow it instead, then go back to the special effects man for more. <laughs> I'm assuming this is like from the beginning of the film. Um, yeah. where they're all surrounded by the snow and it was bloody cold. Yeah. I'm just like, how desperate were these people for booze? Yeah, <laughs> I mean, you'd think that they might just have a bottle of vodka. You don't have Just to have, have a bottle of vodka, yeah. yeah. Uh, Max von Sydow did this movie for his son, who is a long-time Conan fan. Okay. Uh, because this is really not a Max von Sydow-style no, film. All. Although, at this point, he was kind of in the autumn, if yeah. not the winter, of his career and could basically just do what he wanted, I think. Yeah, I suppose there was probably quite a sizable paycheck as well for that yeah. fight. Well, in, in relatively big for the five minutes he did. Exactly, yeah. Uh, real arrows were shot into the snake, right over Arnold Schwarzenegger's head. John Milius shot them himself after it was determined he was the best archer in the crew. They <laughs> had the competition to figure out who was best. I love the thought of that. They're like, okay, right, well, the special effects can be too expensive. We need actual arrows to be shot anyone do archery all right okay well let's i've done some archery as well let's go out the back and practice yeah and it turns out the director is the best shot but i just love the fact that arnie's crouched there yeah like hunched over holding this this fucking snake and this sword and then literally just shooting them over his arm like fuck that mate how things change like yeah <laughs> i watched like seven seasons of arrow and there's not a single real arrow on that entire program they're all cg <laughs> but here they got like future hollywood fucking a-list star crouching down while they're shooting real arrows above his head it's That's absolutely nuts. insane yeah although to be fair he's so ripped at this point he'd probably just shrug them off yeah. um the film is named for conan but the character's personality personal history seems to be based on Cull the conqueror Robert E. Howard, the creator of both characters, gave a more detailed origin to Cull. Conan was a young adventurer who apparently left his homeland voluntarily. He was never a slave or gladiator in any story by Howard, while Cull was exiled from his homeland and spent time first as a slave and then a gladiator before usurping the throne. The character Thulsa Doom is also named after and partly based on an enemy of Cull and not of Conan. Hmm. Which I was like, well, why not just call it Cull? Because I think Conan's probably got. It's a easy ring to say. It. It's yeah. got. It's a. It's a better sounding word, yeah. I suppose. The dynamic score by Basil Polidorius has been frequently used by other filmmakers as temp tracks in other films. 
It's also been frequently used in advanced trailers and TV spots for other films. Huh. So I'm assuming that the studio owns yeah, the copyright course, yeah. to the music. So they're just like, anyone making it needs tracks, needs music to put over something epic. Take Conan. Oh, we need a good trailer track. Use Conan. I agree it's epic, but I don't, it's not massively epic. Like, there's not a lot of it that I'm, no. I, I, I sit there and marvel at. It's no. just kind of like generic it's a kind of music. I think it's because it kind of it was at that, like a, like a, a turning point where you would had sort of sword and sorcery films up to then that used similar themes yeah. and instruments and arrangements. And then this happened, which used a lot of that as influences. And then kind of you from the other side of it, the use of that sort of music kind of declined. So this oh, was okay. almost so like the like peak. The pinnacle, yeah. yeah. And then after that, it got, and you will periodically, you'll see uh, soundtracks that sound like this. Yeah but they are generally few and far between. Yeah. Uh, when Oliver Stone wrote the original script, he made Arnie read comics and fantasy novels to see how he handled period dialogue. Stone set the story in the future after the downfall of civilization. It was to be a four-hour saga and had a whole host of creature effects. It would have cost the studio $70 million, which is approximately $173 million in 2016, adjusted for inflation, obviously when that yeah. <laughs> article was written that was taken from, uh, to put it off, so they refused. John Milius wound up rewriting much of Stone's script, which cut the budget by more than half and also caused for a, called for a change in location as he wanted the fantasy accurate in every possible detail. Okay. I kind of... I kind of want to watch the four-hour version. I kind of like the idea of a four-hour version, yeah. even though this film is another film that could probably comfortably be half an hour shorter. Oh, absolutely. I, I've got that as a note. Yeah. yeah. I know I said this last week controversially, but I don't think there are many people who would disagree with me that this film could do have been no. 20 to 30 minutes shorter. No, um, there's a lot of... Oh, we'll, 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 we'll get, get into that. that. Yeah. Um, neither Arnie nor Sandal Bergman had ever done a love scene before this film, and both felt very awkward about doing one together. Yeah, you can tell. Yeah, it comes across. Um, Not as awkward as when he first loses his virginity. <laughs> oh, my God. Oh my god! Oh god! No, they. St- oh, I need to update one of my notes because there are three sex scenes in this film, oh, aren't there? Yeah. But there's only one. The first one we don't really get to see when he's in the cage. Yeah, yeah. So I suppose it's two and a half. Um, and only like one of them is necessary. Arguably, not even that. <laughs> no, we need to show that, that that they needed to show that there was physical love between the two of them, right? Yeah, I suppose. But aside from that, the other two are just... The other two are... They they could have been intimated or just skipped entirely. Um, At around 48 minutes, the stuntman Terry Leonard, who was dropped down the well by Valeria in the Tower of Set, fell into a big pile of empty cardboard boxes to avoid injury. His leg still broke from the fall. No. According to Arnie, Leonard was trying to impress Sandal Bergman. Sure enough, it worked because they started dating shortly afterwards. Oh, cute. <laughs> Isn't it, though? She helped him with his two broken legs. <laughs> <laughs> I love the fact that they used to have them fall into cardboard yeah. boxes. I was just like, what? Why? Because <laughs> they didn't have mats at this they point. They didn't have the, the clever mats that they have these days. Uh, 200 workers built the sets in a large warehouse outside Madrid. The production crew were made up of people from Italy, England, the US, and Spain. 
1,500 extras were employed and the score was performed by a 90-piece orchestra and a 24-member choir singing mock Latin. Yeah, there's there for all of its, like, forgettable genericness, mm. there's definitely a certain kind of 80s metal feel. Really, so isn't it, with, all the, with the choir. With the absolutely. choir. Oh, a, I can't remember if I have a note on... People keep trying that. to, like... People were taking over the music for it at work for like a day at a time. <laughs> oh, I haven't had a chance yet. But one person just plays like just metal all day long. <laughs> like, but not even like good metal. Not even good metal. Bad 80s metal. Oh. And so much of it is like could just be the story of Conan. They were just singing about like, going to hell and about all this other stuff, and there's all the chanting. And yeah. I was watching it like. This film is proper metal. It's so metal. Yeah. You can see you can see how it found its audience. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um yeah, I can't remember whether I, got, whether I wrote this note or not, but basically with the with the Latin in it, they basically found words that sounded like what they wanted to say oh, okay. and pieced it together to get yeah. what it is. If you actually listen to it, a lot of it is or they looked at Latin words and then changed them to sound yeah. right in the in the in the song um and 99 of it is not actual latin it's just okay. nonsense uh arnold schwarzenegger was the first and only choice to play conan he had to familiarize himself with the conan comics because there was no script at first to work from he'd never even heard of the character but seriously wanted the part of course yeah i love the fact that like they rock up on set and they're just like right we're doing this film okay what am i doing uh, I don't know. There's no script yet. So just read that stuff and yeah. we'll take it from there. I would love a job that just consisted of me reading comics. Reading comics. Yeah. <laughs> Shit, even I'd enjoy that. Yeah. Uh, the Talwar sword used by Valeria, a curved sword or sabre, was not a typical choice for American films. It's a sword designed from the Indian subcontinent and primarily associated with the Mughal Empire. The design is thought to have influenced the Patton 1796 light cavalry sabre, used by the British during the Napoleonic Wars oh, and subsequently used by the uh, US Cavalry and Navy in yeah. the design of all of their sabres as well. I swear I saw curved swords in, like, Indiana Jones. When they are in India. Yeah, but not Talwars. Oh, okay. They were... Um, they, big guy has a falchion, and I can't remember the other... the smaller version yeah. of that, basically. Oh, okay. uh, scimitar. Um, which are far more well-known yeah. swords. But if you look at hers, it's they've, it's got a very peculiar shape. Mm. It kind of it's narrow, then it widens a bit, and then it narrows and curves back to that point. Okay. The, the Talwar is a, it's an odd-looking sword. The brief scene with an older Conan sitting on the throne of Aquilonia was filmed in 1980, prior to most of the other filming. This footage was initially intended to be a trailer, but John Milius decided to use it as the opening sequence of the film. Following concerns from the producers, the scene was moved to the end of the film. Kind of, I'm going to burn my f very first note because I was very confused when I first started watching the film. Mm. On my second note. Wow, a voiceover with a completely black screen. <laughs> How low was the budget on this film? Why didn't they just extend the forging scene and show the heated steel being poured? But it makes yeah. sense that that was probably there. That was there that originally, original. and then the, the studio saw like the final cut. But like, no, yeah, and just moved it to the Put end. Put that at the end. We don't want to confuse people. But yeah, they 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 could have done something at the beginning because it is just it's literally just black just, screen with yeah, a voiceover. With the voiceover with Mako's voiceover. Yeah. Um, Universal was worried the film's violence was too excessive for viewers. 
Sid Sheenberg, the president of Universal, saw a rough cut and thought it too violent for a holiday release, so it was pushed back. On Golden Pond was Universal's Christmas release that year instead. The MPAA, we love those guys, asked John Milius to tone the violence down, which he did. But in the end, it still wasn't enough for them. Arnold Schwarzenegger was annoyed about that, but now thinks it brought more people to see it. Of course, yeah. Because I suppose, obviously, it was a far more violent film. I'd love to see the original version, just like with all its fountaining gore and everything. I know that we live in a different age and we've seen so much more since then, but the violence in this film just looks comical. It does. It's not... I'd like to put some 1982 eyes in my in my head and see what they saw because yeah. to me it just looks comical. I remember watching this when I was early teens, I suppose, because oh, okay. my uh, one of my uncles, huge Arnie fan, yeah. huge Conan fan. He did bodybuilding and everything for for a good few years, um, and I'd obviously never seen it. Actually, I think the first one of the, the Conan films I saw was Red Sonja. And then my, I said, mentioned that to my uncle. And he said, oh, you need to watch this. Gave us the VHS. And that was when I saw it. And it hasn't aged particularly well. No. Back then, I was like, this is amazing. Oh, my God. He just hit that guy in the back with an axe. All this blood and violence. And now I'm like, no, no, no. that didn't even touch him. No. <laughs> I think I only ever saw this film once before, and I was early teen at the time yeah i had no recollection of that's it the time to down. watch it yeah i might given like you know how how uh, kids are maturing faster these days <laughs> just to i'm just gonna show it to cody next week yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh while expensive to create the primary swords created for the film can you tell what my interest was in this yeah. uh the primary swords created for the film proved heavy unbalanced and unsuitable for actual combat they were mostly used in close-up shots for the fight scenes they used lighter versions made made of aluminium fiberglass and steel the other weapons used in the film were not as elaborate. Valerius Talwar was ground out from a single aluminium sheet, hmm. which is like super low budget mm. for something like this and probably explains why we don't get many shots of it actually being used. I tell you what looks super low budget and super fake is that giant axe he picks up. Oh, God, yeah. Near the end. And it's just like, oh, God. Uh, it's like it's supposed to be aged brass or yeah. copper or something, but you look at it and when you actually see it, you're like, hang on a minute. That's plastic. Yeah. That is very clearly like uh, blow molded plastic. But I suppose you gotta remember this was nineteen eighty two. Yeah. The TV screens they were watching it on oh, and yeah. the, the whole stock. I mean, this has obviously been um remastered. Remastered. Uh but the original footage in that, you couldn't tell these oh, details. God, no. It was so I watched something the other day, uh it was on YouTube, and it was a clip of something. And Cody was like, oh, no, we were watching Star Trek. We were watching Next Gen. And there was a scene where the, the, all the stuff on Amazon at the moment has been remastered. Uh, so it's all now in HD. Mm. Uh, I use that term sparingly because all of the actual film shots, not the CG stuff because they read all the, redid all them in actual HD, but all the film shots have just been upscaled. Yeah. Um, and there was a scene where it cut to a different camera angle and it dropped back to, like, I was back in the early 90s, and it was that, and I was like, oh, God. And Cody was just like, wait, why did the quality drop so much then? I said, I'm assuming either they couldn't or didn't upscale that scene for yeah. some reason. So I said, that's what we, all TV looked like. Yeah. I said, and it wasn't on this massive screen we've got here. Tiny I was like, screen. it was on a screen, Christ, about the size of my, my monitor. Yeah. 
And I was, it was just like, really? I was like, uh-huh. Yeah. That's why, how everything looks. We grew up in the dark ages. We grew so. up in the fucking dark ages, mate. <laughs> I remember, obviously, I'm a massive fan of Buffy. And I'd watched it originally on TV. Yeah. The, the original airing. And I remember years later, I had like a DVD, I had it on DVD, but also I had like an upscale DVD player. So yeah. you put it in, it would upscale it for you. Oh my God. I started watching it. I was like, all these sets look so fake. Yeah. Not that they ever, <laughs> looked, they ever looked super realistic to begin before, with. But now I'm like, oh my God, they're on a set. They're meant to be like. You can yeah, see they're yeah. on a set. Yeah. <laughs> That's how it comes it was such a big deal. Like they people look to their viewfinder because yeah. that is what. And if it looked real there, yeah, because that represented obviously the quality of what everyone else was going to see. You didn't care what it looked like in real life, but now you can upscale, especially with AI yeah. upscaling. It's oh, insane, yeah. um, and you can actually you can almost see the screws holding the yeah. set together, sort of thing. Uh, the usual practice of the film industry is to hire a composer following the completion of filming of the main scenes. Basil Polidorus was instead hired for Conan before filming started. He was able to compose the film's music based on the initial storyboards and to modify it throughout filming before recording the score near the end of production. That's incredible, considering, like I've already joked about, like his score does more yeah. work than anybody else in yep. this film. It sets the tone and it, it carries. There are whole scenes that are there, carried there along like by that. There 20 minute sections where there's no dialogue. It's just visuals it's just the and score. the music. Yeah. Yep. So for him to compose it all just on storyboards is incredible. Yeah. And then just basically rewritten it yeah. as he got like the rough cuts and stuff is, I mean, the guy should be, he should be probably a bigger name than he is. Yeah, he should be doing films with a bit more credit to them than Free Willow. <laughs> Although, that was a box office smash, so... Yeah, I know, but... Uh, and body count. You won't even come close. No? No. 36. No. Like I said, not even close. 71 people, three horses, one buzzard, and one giant snake. Uh, I would have got a giant snake. <laughs> you would have got a giant snake, yeah. <laughs> now, brace yourself, people, because that was the, that was the real meat of our content, yeah. because... I'm looking at my notes now. There's barely anything there. And I know Reggie doesn't have many more. No. That which does not kill us makes us stronger. I disagree. It makes us traumatised, anxious, depressed, uncertain. <laughs> and if you have the mental strength to deal with all of that, stronger. <laughs> well, yeah, obviously. Not assuming everyone <laughs> is like a Sumerian superhuman like Conan. <laughs> not in 1982. Not in 1982, yeah. In 1982, anxiety, trauma, depression, these things. If you weren't exist. dead, you got stronger. Yeah. I, to be fair to this film, starting it, starting a swords and sorcery movie in 1982 with a Nietzsche quote yeah. is, that's a bold move. Yeah. That's brave. Because yeah, <laughs> I'm quite sure Nietzsche... Well, I mean, Nietzsche was the ubermensch, wasn't he? So... He was he was fully behind the Conan sort yeah. of mentality of just get get bigger and beat everyone else. Yeah, basically. Because you know that's where the Third Reich came from. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> to be kind, to be fair, Conan is like the poster boy for the Third Reich. Oh, I, I know he's the wrong color, like hair wise. Oh yeah, but everything else about everything him. else about him. Yeah, Hitler would have got a fucking, probably would have got a chub on for that oh, yeah. on his secret island. Um, I need to get a chronicler. A chronicler. Yeah. Oh yeah, I, I need someone tell... to chronicle, chronicle my my deeds, make them sound awesome, and then walk yeah. around telling people about them. I mean, I've already said I needed a, a like a herald, like Chaucer. I now also need a chronicler. 
His car broke down on the side of the road. My master was not dismayed. He pushed the car, picked it up, put it on his back, carried it home, and saved children from a burning building. And when he needed a new car, he he entrusted the court jester to take him (laughs) thus forth to the new car. For not only was my master strong and wise, but he was noble and polite to those below him. Considering how still legit changed the landscape of the ancient world, I quite like it as a storytelling device. It, I wish it was used a little bit more. Yeah, I wish there was more. Like, at various points in this film, again, like some other films we've watched, they hint at mythology and yeah. then just run in the other direction. It's like, yeah, look at all this rich mythology we've got. Yeah. Well, moving on. Yeah. Look, boobies. Yeah. Yeah. Um, the classic family activity. Watching your dad forge a sword in the dark. Yeah. I mean, I get it's supposed to be a moody and powerful opening, but that woman looks crazy. Yeah. Conan looks... Baby Conan looks bored. Yeah. And the dad's not paying any attention because he's focused on building a fucking sword. For fuck's sake, go to bed or do this during the day. Yeah, the scene where he explains Crom to him Mm. has got some of the worst special effects you've ever seen. Why didn't they just put him on a hill somewhere and just film... The normal. Because like, it's just sky. It's just sky on a mountaintop. Sped up slightly. It looks like something from one of the Harry um, Harry Hoosen fucking... Yeah. Um, like Sinbad. Voyages of Sinbad. Stop, yeah. yeah, the stop motion stuff. It yeah. looks like something from that. Except this is 20 years later. Yeah. Where did the budget go? I don't know. It clearly didn't go on green screen. Maybe it went right? on Matey's beard. It could have done. Um, I need to get Pop some cute studded dog armour for our walks. Abso-fucking-lutely. I'm <laughs> very tempted to make some for Lando yeah. and just have just go out walk across the field just in his armour. I mean, it'll be made of foam, but yeah. like... <laughs> they are they're the most metal dogs. They're ever brilliant. Seen. And I'll tell you what, it was quite refreshing to see, like, the... Because obviously his dad getting murdered yeah. when Doom comes to town. Yeah is basically the thing that starts the entire story off, right? It's the whole reason for he wants to go forward yeah. and get revenge and everything yeah. else. So for him to die at the hands of some dogs <laughs> and not uh, like one of the warriors. Not, yeah, it's not Doom, Doom that kills him. Like it is. That, that was quite refreshing. Yeah. I did not see it coming. No, it's, it's a nice, it's a, it's a twist, isn't it, on, yeah. the, on that trope sort of thing. Uh, the cult of Set should try recruiting some barbers and a few yeah. less hippies because... They take their helmets off and it's like, these days, everyone takes their helmet off and their hair is perfect. Yeah. Those guys have been wearing those helmets for hours at that they're point. They're sweaty, stuck to they're their stuck head. to their head and they've got the proper light. It's totally flat yeah. and then it flares out underneath. I and quite it's quite like, like the realism of it. Like. I mean, I can appreciate the realism, yeah. but it somewhat detracts from the impact of that scene. <laughs> when those two warriors remove their helmets, they look like they should be in spinal tap. Yeah, <laughs> it's the it's the straight fringe. The straight fringe, and the they were both um, they were both actually athletes. They were bodybuilders. Oh, so they okay, were they were not sense. actors. Yeah. Um. The the big bearded guy <coughs> was a friend of Arnie's, and he okay. got him the role on there. Uh, Olaf something his name is. Um. Yeah. Basically, they were both uh bodybuilders. That's why they don't have any dialogue. At why all. they don't have any dialogue, and why they're bad. Yeah. <laughs> Is it me or does James Earl Jones look super effeminate when he first appears? He does. I think it's the hair. It is. It's the hair. He looks like he should be in an 80s gay club. Yes. Yeah. Because, again, he's got the 
cut fringe and it's perfectly it's the straighteners have been yeah. out and it's flushed down and it's like yeah that is a very feminine yeah. hair he's just got like he, he, he in his face as well he has a like there's a feminine quality yeah to it but to combine it with the hair i'm like wow and it's all close-ups of his yeah. face like most of that sequence is just his face up close and you're like you know for, for a big burly black guy yeah you're quite fe- you're quite feminine how yeah. is how is that happening i no idea um Children are a poor choice for powering that sort of contraption. Mules or oxen would be much better. Yeah, but they had to visually show you how he gained all the muscles. Yeah, considering he was a slave, how he right? got so strong. Yeah. Although uh, I note that being hunched over like that for, what, like 10 years or something <laughs> doesn't... A good, like, well, probably 20. <laughs> Conan's got to be at late 20s. I don't know how old he's supposed to be in this film. 30 I I I put him somewhere. I mean, I know Arnie was probably a little bit older than that at this yeah. point, but I think Conan is supposed to be somewhere in his mid to late twenties. Yeah, I would say like twenty-seven to thirty. Yeah. So. Oh yeah, a good twenty years. A good yeah. He's been he's been there a while, but his back would be fucked. Oh yeah, absolutely. And he would just be like, it'd be, it'd be super strong, but he'd also be hunched over and like. It'd be like fucking a ripped Quasimodo. I do love the way that we're at the beginning though. It's like. There's about 15 kids pushing it. Yeah. And it goes down to like three people when he's like a teenager. Yeah. But then when he gets in his 20s, he's so strong. It's he's just, just doing it on his own. You're like, hoorah, hoorah. My next note says the music and visuals do a remarkable amount of the heavy lifting in the first act of this film. But it's for the whole film. It's, yeah, it's, it's, there are every act of the film. Points in this film where it would just stop being a traditional film and then just spend 20 minutes just, Showing you his journey or yeah. another badly edited montage. Montage, <laughs> loves the fucking montage. While the music's going. Yeah. This this film is just a like two hour and nine minute montage yeah. with occasional breaks for some acting. So there's some bad ones. Like it's like he's travelled from the west to the east, <laughs> so you get three shots of him travelling on his horse, <laughs> and it's like one of him like in a t shirt <laughs> with the sun out. Then it. Fades in and fades out to him in the snow and he's wearing a coat and he fades in and fades out and he's like walking the horse <laughs> in the sun again. And you're like, oh my God. Look, we said there's whole sections where yeah. it's the music over montages or scenic shots or yeah. guys running across a field. <laughs> yeah. Um, i got a note on that later. Yeah, me too. Um, and you look at the scenes where people actually interact. You look at the talking scenes. That's where the real actors, uh, I say this in the nicest possible way, that's where the real actors were. Yeah. Because, uh, what's his job? James L. Jones comes on. Yeah. He has talking scenes. Yeah. Uh, Max von Sydow comes on. He has talking scenes. And they're scenes where the focus is the talking. Yeah. There are other bits where people are having conversations back and forth, but the, the dialogue is minimal. Yeah. And it's all about what else is going on. And it's just, so it's just like, yeah, okay, well, shit. We've we've gone like 40 minutes without anyone saying anything. Okay, have her say something to him. No, 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 no. Only like three words each. Yeah. Okay, that's good. All right, we've got a scene coming up with a real actor. All the dialogue. Yeah, <laughs> yeah it does. Def- it definitely feels like that was the preconceived way of making this film. Yeah. yeah. Uh, the gladiatorial fight scenes are pretty bad. Yeah. Uh, why does the fight instructor kick the guy standing next to Conan? Because uh, he smirks when Conan gets told off. Uh, it's that typical, uh, like, oh, you see something funny? I kick you in the junk. Uh, what that's, how the- I, that's how I discipline Cody. <laughs> <laughs> that was a joke. That was a joke, everybody. Social services. 
what was the crush your enemies enemies scene all about? It just doesn't need to be in this film. It doesn't. It's a it's a, an excerpt from a much bigger quote attributed to either Genghis Khan or one of his sons. Oh, yeah, of course. But um, there's no. It's need supposed to show that you know not not only is Conan this big strong brute who's used as a set piece when you're eating your dinner with your mates, which yeah. is really odd. Um, but also that he he can be, you can have conversations with him and he studied literature and knows these things and what have you. But it's a very odd scene. It has no point in the narrative. I don't even know who the older Asian guy is. No. Or why his son can't get it right. It's like, who are these people? Yeah, and what is what, the point of Why do we care? Yeah. Um, I like that they, I do like that they show him going to the East despite the ridiculous yeah. montage. Yeah. Uh, they show the, him going to the East and being trained by the masters because up until then we see him using clubs and yeah. daggers and weird big armored punch dagger things that yeah. are really cool. And I want one. Yeah. Um, but then like obviously later in the film, it's his sword craft, which yeah. is the kind of the focus of it. Uh, and we actually see him being trained rather than it just being, yeah, he picked it up and had some mystical ability. Yeah, I, I did appreciate the fact that they put in the script that like, they sent him to the Masters. And yeah. They taught him. And you even if you, it's, it's only a very short, yes, like, really short montage. scene. Yeah, another <laughs> little fucking montage. And the, the sword he uses in the last one is clearly made of plastic or aluminium. No, yeah. Because as he's using it, it's going wibble wobble. <laughs> it's all over the fucking shop. Uh, was Conan set free or did he escape? So this is when he's running from the dogs. Uh, he was set free. They're wild dogs. Yeah, but there's the voiceover and it says something like, people started to believe that he was being kept for too long. But then you see him running with the chainsaw around him. Yeah, because well, mate, he hits it with the axe, doesn't he? His owner. Oh, okay, yeah. He put, puts it up, yeah, but slips when... it and then kicks him and says, go, you're free. And oh. off he goes and he goes running off. But he oh. does, for some reason he doesn't undo the manacle. No. I'm assuming he was drunk. I must have overlooked that bit. Yeah. It's a, it's a nighttime scene. It's quite difficult to see what's yeah. going on. Um, but yeah, I like the uh, my, my toxic trait is that I think I'd be best friends with those wild dogs. I'd be trying to boop their snoots and give them little neck scratches while they're just like tearing my throat out. Um, it was quite. Uh, it was common practice in the ancient world to bury prominent people with treasure. Mm-hmm. Although these guys looked more like they were trapped and died down there. I. <laughs> it was hard to make notes for this. Film, uh, yeah, uh, apparently that was this this. There's a whole load of mythology around that, and there's a name for that guy. Oh, okay. He was an Atlantean. Ah. Oh. He was a survivor of Atlantis, because it mentions at the beginning that the, the ocean's swallowing Atlantis. He was an Atlantean king or something. Right. That was his tomb. That's where he died, uh, which is why the sword is referred to as the... I don't think it's ever refer, referred to in the script, but it's the Atlantean sword. Okay. Um, but he wasn't buried. He was sat on the throne. sitting on his throne. Yeah, that's a tomb. I, I suppose that they put his dead body on the front. Oh, yeah, gosh. they put the body there, or he went there and as he was dying and basically sat there until he died. And I mean, if I was Conan, I've played so many RPGs, uh, both tabletop and digital, that I would have looted every fucking thing. I'd have come out there, pimped out in his fuck. I'd have taken the armor and everything, mate. Kind of like the uh, what was it you said you wanted earlier? The the weird punch dagger no, no, things. No, 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 the the person that basically tells the oh tale the chronicler. Of yeah, much like the chronicler when he comes with that <laughs> when thing. he comes out of all the stuff, yeah. I'd have just been yeah, I'd have strung it all together. I'd have had it all lashed to me back. Talking about absolutely completely pointless scenes in this film. Have you ever banged a girl so well she turned into a demon? <laughs> I can't talk about my fiance like that. <laughs> <laughs> um, wait, hang on, uh, I'm just taking that. 
just before he gets to the to, to the witch's hut, I love the fact that when he comes out of the cave with the sword, he glares at the dogs. Yeah. And then it cuts to black. And in the next scene, he's wearing a nice new outfit made entirely of furs. Yeah. I'm like, oh, I see what you did there. And his sword's wrapped in furs. Yeah. Yeah, that whole scene with the witch. It's pointless, right? I mean, he does learn an important lesson. That beautiful women living in huts in the middle of nowhere do not just invite strange men to warm themselves by the fire. Do not? No, they're all either they're, they're either gonna steal your kidneys, eat you, or turn into a demon mid-coitus. Oh, I'll remember that. If you yeah. Can. I mean, who doesn't know these lessons? People that haven't seen Conan, clearly. Of course, yeah. But it's just like, it's like what is going on here? Why does she tell him? Yeah, it's like, oh, there'll be a cost. The cost is you gotta fuck me. Yeah. I mean, that's not really such a chore. But no. then she goes all demon, or at least in the face, she goes all demony halfway through. And then, but that's after she's told him. Yeah. And all she seemed to want to do was carry on fucking because she doesn't actually seem to be trying to hurt no, him. No. He just then throws her in a fire. She turns into a fucking Tinkerbell. Yeah. And zooms off cackling after blowing up half of her own hut. <laughs> he just goes, crumb. Crumb. <laughs> <laughs> So weird. Like that scene, the scene where he does the Crusher enemies bit, like some of these scenes hint at more, right? Yes. But don't give it to you. So there's no point. This film, as we both said, could be a very tightly edited 90-minute yeah. story. Yes. That is far more enjoyable. There should have been it look it almost feels yeah. like there should have been subtitles for the for his facial expression. <laughs> yeah. Or an internal it should have done like June did and had an internal monologue. Because then we would have got like Yeah. The details. It's like, you've got the chronicler. You've literally set up that he is yeah. going to narrate what's happening and fill in the blanks for us. But you use him so sparingly. And pointlessly at times. Yeah. Isn't? It's kind of like, oh, he just chimes in. Why? Oh, because we're using the same bit of music here we'd already yeah. used before. So we want to disguise that fact by having him talk over the top of it. I assume. Mm. Yeah. Weird. Uh, civilization, Ancient. Wicked. Too true. I mean, it seemed all right to me. It looked like a good place. What was the point of them stopping at that first wall too? Again, doesn't need I to be in know. the film. They see it. He makes that civilization comment. They wander around for approximately 26 seconds. Yeah, where he eats a lizard. He eats a lizard and moans about the smell. And then it just cuts to them running again. Yeah, they're back off running across. It's like, what? I mean, I get Why? it. They're, they're showing that they're going to these places. They're looking for the, 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 the cult of set. Yeah, but they don't, like, at least when they get there, instead of moaning about the smell and eating lizard, spend an extra 30 seconds there questioning someone, is there, like, yeah. the cult of set here? Yeah, what, do you recognise this this symbol sort of thing? Before but, they run again, but they... no. It just seems completely pointless to me. Um, what gods do you pray to? Oh, yeah. I might start asking people this after, you know, I'll meet them, hi, who are you, how are you doing, blah, blah, blah. So, what gods do you pray to? <laughs> just to really catch people off guard. I think it would be pretty cool. I'm, I'm, I'm genuinely thinking about incorporating that into, like, future interviews and things like that. And just when I meet people... <laughs> all job interviews. All job interviews. I was thinking more about interviews on the podcast, yeah. but, you know, so sit down. So do you have any questions you want to ask us, yeah. Mr. Rooney? Uh, yes. What gods do you pray to? <laughs> I was thinking more of the interviewer could sit down, go through all their questions, and finally be like... And finally... What gods do you what pray gods to? do you pray to? No, no, no. We do not recognise the four winds around here. Um, <laughs> in on that note, the way that him and Supertai discuss gods is the way all theological discussions should be done. 
They're having dinner. They're hanging out. They're both ripping the piss out of each other's gods. And it's all done in very good humour. And nobody blows themselves up. Nobody fucking takes away their right to control their own bodies. Nobody demands they read a certain book or anything. You know, they don't deny their existence. They're just like, oh, well, you pray to the gods and the gods in the sky. I pray to Crom. Oh, your god's shit. He's underground. Oh, your god's shit. He's a big fart. And then they go back to eating their rabbit. I Simples. There are not too many deeper themes in this film. Aside no. from, like, you know, the anti-Buddhism one we'll talk about later. <laughs> but that, in in what is a entertaining, yet completely disposable fantasy film, <laughs> that scene is really, it, like, if you pay attention to it, it is two, like, as you said, two people who both have different gods yeah. who laugh and banner each other, and then they're like, Oh, it doesn't matter that we both have different gods. Let's yeah. work together as a team. Yeah, it doesn't matter what gods you pray to. I pray to my gods, you pray to yours. But we can let still live be a, and let live. Yeah, we can still be a team and run side by yeah. side. Yeah. <laughs> and <laughs> I think yeah. you wanna go for a jog? Let's run. <laughs> Put on your running furs. Much like you said though, like a lot of people could take a lot of like knowledge from just Yes, they, they could really people. take a leaf out of yeah. just that scene. Um Oh. They're all sluts. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Ridiculous dialogue. Yeah, like in a fantasy film, you don't expect to hear the word slut. sluts. Sluts. <laughs> I'm just like, whoa, what the hell? Um, um, he that, punched out a camel. Yeah, was my next note, that poor camel. I'm just like, the camel gets in his way. He laughs, punches it. The camel just like, and falls <laughs> over. I'm just like, did Arnie do that? Or was that, is that was that real? I was that acting? I don't know if it was a real camel or not, but they clearly do some drugs. Yes, because mate, he offers them the, the, the lotus from Stygia. Yeah. And then, like... But we don't see them take it. It's just the next scene. They're, they're off their tits. And then he punches out a camel. <laughs> There's a bit of a blurred kind of in and out of focus shot. Yeah. And then the voiceover comes in, and it's like... Um, on that route slowly it's powerful stuff and it's like oh so they were fucked so they were fucked they weren't just explain crazy yeah it's like you kind of get the explanation afterwards yeah. and you're kind of like have I missed something what was the need for them to get fucked up in the scene unless it was to literally just punch a camel I don't know I don't, it's, it's weird there's a lot of questionable choices in this film oh yeah there's a uh, Sushinoko in the temple is that who the what now Sushinoko is it snake swallowing its own tail well, that's an uh ouroboros ouroboros yes okay symbol of infinity ah. snake swallowing its own tail ah oh, that makes sense when later on when she says what do you see and he's like infinity infinity like, oh good ouroboros eating his own tail um oh when he when they go down the rope into the tower and there's the rat there there is a blink and miss it scene where conan kicks a rat <laughs> So hard, it takes off and flies across the screen. And I'm just like, wait, what? Did that? What was that? And then I, I skipped back by a few seconds and watched it. And it's just like, Neep! and it just eats it across. I was like, they really had it in for animals in this yeah, film. I don't know no, if it was a fake or a real rat or what. There's no Peter. <laughs> yeah, there was no Peter <laughs> in, in, in the early 80s. Clearly. Uh, Conan may have been a virgin for a long time, but now every woman he meets throws themselves in. Odd, isn't it? Yeah. I mean, I. I mean, that's probably his life for the rest of the eighties. But <laughs> yeah, basically, you know, like this, like for a man that was literally a virgin 
for so long. It's like he looks so cumbersome that first time when they yeah. like, they bred him with the finest stock. And but after that, he's just banging everything. Banging everything. I think it's everyone that meets him seems to instantly love yeah. him. Like he meets the wizard later on. Yeah. One minute, like it looks like he's about to stab the wizard, and a wizard's going to summon some demons to eat him. And they just start. Laughing. And then the wizard just laughs and offs him over and cooks him dinner. Yeah. And it's like super tie. One minute it looks like he's going to leave him to get eaten to the wolf by the wolves or starve yeah. to death. And they just. And then they're, they're like blood brothers, and they're off fighting the cult of sets. And it's like, what? I, what? Is he got some super pheromones or something? He must have, because yeah, every woman gets wet the second they see now, him. Now I wrote this note uh, about the seventies because it clearly shows what where I thought. Even though I'd already done my trivia research, yeah. this film has some strong seventies oh, vibes to it. Well, it's eighty two. It's eighty two. So filmed in eighty one, which means or eighty even eighty. I think it was eighty. Yeah, yeah, tail end of eighty. So yeah, it's, it's still very much the seventies kind of mindset. Yeah. Um, because I actually wrote, the 70s loved their raunchy, raunchy scenes. Oh, yeah. By my count, there are two, although as we discussed earlier, 2.5 sex scenes, and five different pairs of boobs in this film. Yeah. I didn't even count it when the same boobs appear for a second or third time. This is just new boobs. Yeah. Five different pairs of boobs. You have to wait until Game of Thrones to get that sort of thing, and that was a series. Yeah. <laughs> it is. Like, it does tell you the mindset of the late 70s, early 80s, where it's like, we need muscles, tits, and violence. Yeah. And then all men will come and, and watch all, this the film. men will be men, and yeah. the women will have their tits out, yeah. and they'll all have big swords, and yeah. And it's th- that that pervaded for so long. Oh, yeah. Until- that was like, well, that was a, it was a, a mindset that started in... 70s um and pervaded a lot of dungeons and dragons obviously because dungeons and dragons had a huge influence on this film um and then carried on throughout the 80s even into the 90s and it's only sort of in the 90s where people started going well actually could the women not have their tits out could they have a personality could they have a role that involves some kind of actual development and could their costume perhaps not just be a piece of leather stretched across them in various different places, yeah. <laughs> as the blonde, as the subtitles refer to her, because she, uh, she, I, she is listed on Wikipedia as having a name, but I can't remember what it was. And like, she is Red Sonia, though, right? No, no. Red Sonia is a completely different person. She's a redhead. I, I assumed she would be a redhead, but I always thought Red Sonia was came in through Conan. So she did Conan the Destroyer. She's in. Uh, I believe so. Oh, it might be the Red Sonja film. Oh, okay. But I think that's where she gets introduced because that is technically a Conan film. Oh, okay. Um, but yeah, no, she she has a name. I can't remember what it is. But like, yeah, from from Conan's mum, yeah, right to the witch, to the other, basically all the women he meets, they've all got bits of cloth or leather strung across them, and it's like, but, but how is that even remotely practical? I got a note comes later, but it says, considering they spend the majority of their time out in the elements, <laughs> they quite often do it wearing next to nothing. Yeah, they're basically like... <laughs> Even the men, though. Oil and fucking leather trousers, yeah. or in the women's case, a leather a leather uh, bikini. Basically, yeah. Yeah, and, and some body paint. And it's like, yeah, I'm ready to face the elements. Yeah. I'll go out into the fucking tundra. Uh, Conan's entire diet seems to consist of flame-roasted meat. <laughs> Greasy meat yeah, that's cooked he, over a fucking open fire. That's all he eats in this entire film. It's when men were men, mate. Yeah, apart from the gruel that he's eating oh, with the yeah. hangover. 
Mm. <laughs> I love that scene. Uh, he leaves with purple flowers, but arrives with, with white, white ones. Oh, hang on, you've jumped ahead of me oh, again. Sorry. But I, I did I did notice that. Yeah. He gets purple flowers, then the next time you see him on the camel at the camp, he's got white ones. Yeah. And you're like, continuity? Mm. Uh, a lot of the special effects in this film have not aged well, no, as no, we, we mentioned earlier. Uh, damn, she got properly lubed up over that big shiny. Yes. He gives her the eye of the serpent, and she's just right there and then. She's just basically gush. Yeah. And then that's it. She's committed to him. For, she So much so that she literally comes back from the afterlife. Yeah. It's like, God damn, I've got to get me a rock like that. I'll be I giving mean, it out all over the place. A typical woman, right? She sees wealth and just... See, I was going to make a, go- a joke about that, but I was like, I don't need to. Reggie mm. will. Suddenly, this film feels like an attack on Buddhism. When they turn up to Tulsa Doom and all of his... Oh, uh, embrace emptiness. All of his... It's not necessarily that. It's like when he first turns up with the white flowers. Yeah. And they're all like meditating or practicing what looks like Eastern kind of religious behavior. And it's like, hmm, is that a theme in this film? I'm not sure. In the 80s, that whole Buddhism thing didn't have a great... Wasn't viewed very well by the yuppies of the world. Of course not. And they were running things at that point in time, so... Um, Mako has an awesome voice. Yeah. It's obviously the, the, the chronicler and the crazy yeah. old wizard. Uh, talking to the wizard, that wizard is living his best crazy hermit life. Yes. Like he's just cackling to himself and singing songs at the, on the beach. He's my spirit animal. Yeah. <laughs> That's goals. Yeah. Uh, a hippie commune with a creepy gay priest. Yes. That's that guy. I'm so glad he gets punched out like, yeah. Just almost straight away because he makes he makes everyone uncomfortable. Uh, the dialogue in this film is not good, but that's one of the best scenes. It is, but and yeah, I don't really quite understand. <laughs> like he says to him, "Is this is this your robe, the priest robe?" And he yeah. says, "Yeah." And he goes, "Good." Punches him, says, "Because this all you ever need," and then steals it. So he's not got it anymore. So how is it all he ever needs? <laughs> Like, Again, I think there were more scenes in there where they talk about the uh, ascetism and stuff like of that. Of course. But we don't get to see that. No. So he's kind of making a witty one-liner referencing the beliefs of the cult that we don't know about. Yeah. Because that bit ended up on the cutting room floor. Well, I just... A lot of, like, a lot of religions, not just Eastern ones, but especially Eastern ones, you give up all of your worldly yeah. possessions, right? So you can just focus on... Love and compassion love being, and all this yeah. other shit. Um, but so I kind of got where it was going, but yeah. I'm like, how is it all he's ever going to need when you've when you've just stolen it? it. Oh. And that bit when he first walks into into the commune with the thing on, does he not just look like Jane in his hat? <laughs> I hadn't noticed that. That is that is genuinely one of my favourite scenes. Oh yeah, because he's just walking along in a robe that absolutely is not the same robe he could took off that priest. Because no. there's no way that would have fitted him. No. And he's just walking along with a grin on his yeah. face like an idiot, just waving and nodding to people, having a great time. And I'm just like, that's just Arnie yeah. just making friends. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> um, the way the headpieces on those robes are designed, from behind they look like KKK members. They do. Yeah, because they're all pointy on It's white. a very odd choice, isn't it? Yeah. Especially since the leader of their religion is black. Yeah. And I'm like, was that a conscious choice? Were they aware of that? Is that lampooning them in some way? Not sure. But whilst parts of this film look low budget, the scenes with all the children of Doom climbing the mountain in single file are quite epic. Yes. So that's the 
incredible amount of extras they had. Yeah, right? the, the 1,500 yeah. extras that they it got. It looks really good, though, when they're yeah. all just like zigzagging. The thing is, these days, you can't tell the difference between what's CG and what's not. No, but you but knew back it was then, real then. Yeah, back then, if they were, you could tell if they'd done some further yeah. camera work because there was always a, a clear delineation between it. Um, but yeah, that that was le- legitimately, you know, a thousand and a half people yeah. running Walking. up a hill, yeah. all actually in those ridiculous... I mean, you can tell why the robes... Explains why the robes were clearly made of, like, fucking tea towels or oh, something. Oh, of course, yeah. Because they had to have, like, at least 1,500 of them. Yeah. Um, now, I've already said about the hippie commune. Um, I was wondering how long it would take before one of the cultists recognised the jade icon as being one stolen... Because it's, it's there in what is clearly a place of honour. That's yeah. a sacrificial beast that they feed... Naked, half naked women too, yeah, and that's hanging there in its chamber. So it's like, well, that clearly is from that chamber, from one of these towers. So anyone that knows these towers is going to know that's a snake pit uh, icon. Yeah, and he's just going around showing it to everyone, and it's like, yeah, this is this right? Yes, look, I've got this. Like he flashes it like multipass, yeah, multipass, <laughs> and just goes wandering up until mate takes it off him. And I'm like, well, why has nobody realised? And then obviously that guard, yeah. when he finally shows it to a guard, uh, he realises what it is and is like, wait a minute, he's an infidel. But it took fucking long enough. Yeah. And I, I don't, considering he was a gladiator and he's the size he is. Yeah. And he's trained by masters. I'm not sure how two people get him, beat him up and break his spirit <laughs> in the way they do. It's odd, isn't yeah. it? Um, ah, must have been when I was younger. Yeah. That line, it's it's so wistful the yeah. way he says it. Because it's kind of, you almost expect him to go, ah, sorry about that. Yeah. But it's, ah, must have been when I was younger, when I'm a heyday, when I was out there looking for <laughs> the, the riddle of steel and blah, blah, blah. And it's just like, just that one line. Yeah. And it's like, yeah, okay, James L. Jones, you've justified your point, your, your, your appearance in this, this film. film. Yeah, and just you've actually that. just like, you know, saved this film from not having any acting. Any acting. I don't. That's. I know. I know he's talking about mine. Like he's brainwashed them. He's got them under yeah. his control. But that scene still doesn't quite work for me. No, it's it's. I get. Yeah, I get the it's point. Like I used to. And, I used to care about steel, and I used to be out there searching for steel. But I realised flesh is more. And then he makes the girl kill herself. Yeah. And then he's just like, see, see, you can't do that with a sword. And it's like. Yeah, but I can still stab you. Yeah. I, I, I suppose it's supposed to show that the guy's nuts. Oh, nuts, but also that, like, controlling people is more powerful. More than powerful weapons. than controlling the weapons, because yeah. you control the people who control the weapons. Yeah. Not but, that we've seen more than, like, two of them that can actually handle a weapon. No. Because it's it, only Rexor and the other guy. It just seems a bit... <clears throat> doesn't quite bit. land. No, it doesn't quite explain his point very well. No. It could have been streamlined a bit. Um, when I give up all this nonsense and become a landscape gardener, every garden I plant will have a tree of woe. Yes. I'm really tempted to just buy a, like, a fucking fruit tree or something, plant in my garden and go, behold, the tree of woe. Yeah. Contemplate this on the tree of woe. And then I'll just like send Cody out there when he misbehaves. It's far more bad, far easier to pronounce tree of woe than uh, Yagdrazil. Anyway. <laughs> Yggdrasil. Yggdrasil. <laughs> <laughs> it's not when you pronounce it right. Yeah. Uh, Doom seems to represent Eastern philosophies in his religion and fashion. So why is he crucifying Conan? Like he, he wears, yeah. he wears like right before he sends him off to be crucified. He's wearing 
like very Japanese yeah. outfit. So why fiction's been used like loads of people used it. Yeah, I know, but it is very much a Christian. It's, it's, yeah, it has that. I suppose Christian sim- symbolism, right? I think that's what they're trying to pull in here. Yeah, but the Conan. I know Krom is not necessarily a Christian god, and for the early parts of the film, he looks very Viking, and they yeah. call him Northman, and he just wants to go to Valhalla to see Krom. Yes, but it seems like. It does seem to me that lies like the Western religion mm. would be more Christian, pagan Christian, and then the Eastern, where they all are, yeah, where Doom and everyone is, seems far more kind of mystical. Yeah, I I always put that down to just the the filmmakers going, you know, this this is a good nod. This is religious, okay? Religion organized religions like this, they're bad. They're all cults. Yeah, that's why I interpreted it. Plus, you don't want to actually kill him, kill him. No. You want to just make him suffer. Yeah. And that is a good way to just have him hang there. Have him hanging there, and, and he has plenty of time to regret what he's done, yeah. which is the whole point of crucifixion. And to bite the throat out of a vulture. Uh, yeah, eat a vulture. Uh, Subutai clearly went to the Ghibli school of running bloody long distances. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, Conan was was like, he was. I think he was a dropout because yeah. he attended for a few semesters. But uh, Subutai we can only assume, has been running the entire time Conan was infiltrating the cult and doing all that business. What is his ethnicity? Because... He's a Hun. He's supposed to represent uh, one of the, the like Eastern Huns uh, of, of yesteryear. But he's played by uh, by a white guy. Yeah. Just doing a really racist accent with a really racist makeup and hair job yeah, on. Yeah, it looks awful. It's terrible. Yeah. And it's, again, absolutely not the kind of thing that would fly in 2023 or even 1992. No. <laughs> but in 1982, it was a very different time. Oh, yeah. But the fact that they actually have, like, um, Asian actors in this film. I mean, yeah. Mako is a ve- well, at the time was a very famous yeah. uh, Asian actor, and he's in it. So why didn't they just get another Asian guy in? Like, Ken Watanabe probably would have been quite young at this point. He could have played that role. Yeah. Although I don't think he was really doing much at that point. How old is Ken Watanabe? Or maybe maybe he's not quite that old. Maybe he'd have been too young. I don't uh, know. Surely there was someone. There would have been There would have been someone, is the point. Yeah, that's the yeah. point I'm, I'm rather ham-fistedly trying to make, is there would have been an actual Asian. You didn't need to whitewash fake Asian him. No. Um, I've only got two notes left, so have you... Oh, I've got a few, yeah. Um, blah, 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 blah. the iconic shots of Conan posing on the shore with his sword. Yeah. I when when you think of Conan, you think of that. They're the shots you think of. Yeah. I've seen them used in trailers and adverts and fucking documentaries and everything. Yeah. Because they're the iconic shots of that of from this film. Yeah. Um I want an Atlantean sword. Yes. I think snap. we already covered that. Uh Matey with the hammer, looking really confused after the pillar collapses. Yeah. Bless him. He was trying to act so hard. Yeah. He was he was really giving it his best acting face, but he just looks like he's drunk and possibly confused as to what he's even doing. Oh, look at the hammer. Why do I have a hammer? <laughs> yeah, but I'm sure he's a very, he was a very nice guy, but oh, he looks yeah. dumb as a box of rocks. Absolutely. Um, another film that makes heavy use of the classic night filter that we discussed yeah. last week, where it's quite clearly daytime. But, oh, no, this needs to be at night, but we can't film here at night because we won't be able to see anything. Just put a black filter over yeah. everything. No one will figure it out. Let me breathe my last breath into your mouth. 
That is weird, lady. That is weird. Yeah. That is like, I mean, I get it. You're dying and you love Conan, but that's no. no. That's not happening. I mean, neither of you look like you own a toothbrush. So. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> uh, and all that greasy animal. Yeah. I mean, your breath's got to be rotten. Uh, lol, the princess they're supposed to be rescuing has been chained to a rock on top of a hill. Yeah. It's like they carry her out of the temple and then they're like, oh, we need to keep her somewhere. Well, let's just chain her up like a sacrifice to the top of this hill. Oh, it's, oh, it's already got manacles there because it's clearly a sacrificial rock. Yeah, that's fine. Just chain her up there. Don't worry about exposure to the elements or, oh. you know, using the facilities. And that to keep her safe while they were doing the funeral. <laughs> yeah, they could have given her some clothes, though. They could have given her some clothes. Yeah. Give her some, some crazy wizard clothes. But hey, Conan's more worried about, like, you know, staring the blushes of that woman he bangs early on. <laughs> Then he is this like princess. This princess. He don't care. He's already been paid for her yeah. rescue. Um, uh, the final battle preparation montage, in which this film shows Predator should have sent them a fruit basket for so <laughs> liberally borrowing from it. Oh, absolutely. They even have the same booby traps. Yeah. <laughs> the same bit with the arrows, right? Is yeah, that, uh, the arrows stuck in, and the the the, the spring loaded spike, and the pit traps, and everything. It's like. We, we sung the praises of Predator. Clearly, we have forgotten about this film. We've forgotten about this and Jaws. <laughs> and Jaws. Um, if you were the all-powerful leader of a cult, would you watch the orgies or join in? I mean, if I was the all-powerful leader of the cult, I would be hip-deep in clunge at all times. And what? And then in that scene, what? I know... <laughs> like, it establishes that he's not human. Yeah. That he does have some kind of supernatural powers. Yeah, but what was the point in showing us turning turning in, into in, a snake? Turning into a snake if it never reappears. It or never, never reappears. Explained. It doesn't really. I think it was. I mean, it, it deals with him not being in that scene because mm. otherwise he'd have had to fight Conan there, and we'd have the film would have been half an hour shorter. Wait a minute. Um, but we wouldn't have got the big final battle scene and yeah. blah blah blah. Um, but yeah, it's kind of why. Yeah. They just, just went, no they sense. Just, oh, look, he can change into a snake. Cool. Is he going to use that? No. Okay. He gets his head cut off. Yeah. Cool. That's where the budget went. Yeah. On that giant snake and that, that weird prosthetic, because that is a creepy shot yeah, where he's face, face starts. Rah, yeah. Rah, and I'm just like, that's odd. That's almost as bad as wanting your dying breath to be in your boyfriend's mouth. <laughs> um, <laughs> his girlfriend, briefly back from the dead, looking like a disco Valkyrie. Yes. With the classic fucking um, uh, what's it, Vaseline on yeah. the lens to get the the blurry, yeah. glittery effect. She's got the hat. She's got uh, the, the helmet. Yeah, she's the got the wing. Oh, wings. it's just like, yeah, she's she's literally come back as a Valkyrie, just yeah. like she said she would. But she's so sparkly, she's like blinged up. Yeah, because that's what you do when you're in Valhalla. And she comes back, saves his life, and, and then fucks just off again. Disappears. What? Someone explain this shit to me. Where did she come from? How did she get here? Like, oh, you, I assume she's gone. She's gone, and she's, she's in Valhalla. She's in Valhalla, and she's like, "No, I made a promise. I would come back from the pits of hell to fight by his side." Well, you can do it, but you can only block one sword. So pick your moment, love, oh, which she does. Um, a nice little fountain of fountain of blood from off camera yeah. when he finishes off Rexor. Yeah, I like. I quite like that because there's not a massive amount of we said earlier, not a massive amount of gore in this no. film. Um. And I can imagine there was another shot 
We oh, showed yeah. it from a different angle with that fountain of gore coming out of Absolutely, him. Absolutely, yeah. But obviously we just get the little squirt off screen. Um, now, Conan's father says to him, this you can trust. Yeah. Talking about the sword. And then that very same sword okay. breaks in his enemy's hands, yeah. allowing Conan to win the fight. Which is not the kind of trust it was like, you know, you can rely on this sword. Yeah. But we all thought you can rely on this sword to not break, to yeah. cut down your enemies. But he trusted it and it broke. So it was reliable, just not for his enemies. And then which he, I was used, like, oh. he uses it to get his ultimate reward. Yeah, he yeah. then uses it to go, what, what happens to the Atlantean sword? Because he uses his dad's sword yeah. after that to go and chop up what's I his assume name. he's just added it to his arsenal. Yeah. Yeah, because then he, he heads off with the princess and they presumably go back to uh, Osric. Yeah. There's, there's a lot. Of, I don't know why I'm worrying about that. There's so many more obvious and important things that aren't explained in this film. And yeah. I, Look, okay, I was focused on the swords. Yeah, I know. Yeah. Um, the final confrontation with Doom is actually very low-key. It is, like, considering it's the pinnacle of the film. Yeah. Well, it's the big it's finale. The, it's, it's the culmination of the entire film to that point. And we've seen various battles leading up to it. The yeah. fact that he just sneaks in there and just cuts his head he off. Sneaks in there, yeah. He has like the whole, my son, Yeah, I am your father. Basically, um, yeah. <laughs> and then he kind of goes, uh, no. Uh. Yeah. And then rather brutally, I love the fact that he like, like stabs him and it's just like blood pissing out of his collarbone. Yeah. And then he like, it's like, oh, turns him around. And it takes two hacks. And they are, because like the other beheadings we've seen in this. Is all one first time. Yeah. One foul swoop and the head comes off. That is pretty brutal. He just hacks it off and then yeets it down there. And then basically like nobody says anything. No, they all, they're all just like, oh, fair enough. We'll just put well, like, oh, fire in there in, in the, in the like, pondy thing. And I'm just... going to go back here and yeah. I'm going to go and join the other snake cult. Yeah. Uh, and Mumra needs to buy the Cult of Set a fruit basket for copying their logo. Absolutely. Because yeah. when it comes up, I was like, that reminds me of Thundercats. Wait, that was in Thundercats. Yeah. I'm like, wait, is, is Mumra set? Maybe. Red string moment. Maybe Mumra is doomed. I think that, that he was tapping into worshipping Mumra. Mumra's over on Thundera or yeah. not Thundera, wherever yeah, they was were. Thundera. Was it Thundera? No. Because that's where the Thundercats come from. And then they land on... Midlife or New Earth or... Something like that, yeah. And, like, maybe he was worshipping Mumra, and that's why sometimes he had abilities, sometimes, sometimes he didn't. didn't. When Mumra wasn't yeah. using the abilities, Doom was using some of that power to change into a snake pointlessly. I need to find that Undercats film so we can cover it. Is there a live-action one? No, not a live-action oh, one. There's the, an animated oh, yeah. that I must have watched a hundred times. I used, I yeah, I used to have that on VHS. Me too. I fucking love it. Did you ever watch the Netflix one? Uh, no. It was only got one season, which is a shame because it was really good. It was... More anime than like It was Western more anime animation. in its style and yeah. it was less Saturday morning cartoon. It was a more sensible take on the Thundercats sort oh, of lore. I really enjoyed it and I was gutted when they didn't make a second okay. one. Okay. Because I, I was like... I got to the end of it and I was like, no, yeah, no, this is some Thundercats I can get behind. I, I love the original Thundercats. Yeah, I know you did. Brilliant. Uh, this film was half an hour too long. Oh, so absolutely. Some of the world building feels a bit haphazard and it looks like a film made decades ago, but it's still entertaining and worth a watch. So I'm giving it a seven. Yeah, uh, that is a pretty 6.5. Seemed a bit like kicking it in the nuts. Yeah. And 
Like, they made a thoroughly entertaining film for the time it was made. Yes. With the resources they had available. It would have obviously scored higher if they'd streamlined it a little bit. Yeah. If they'd kind of fought out the mythology a bit more. Yeah, if it had had a little less 1970s and a little more 1980s. Yeah. Where they started to realise two hours, nine minutes is a bit much. Yeah. 90 minutes is is about the sweet spot for for this sort of film. Yeah. Um, it's Dino De, Dino uh, De Laurentiis. Yeah. And he is kind of renowned for making overly long films. Oh, okay. So it kind of makes sense. But, yeah. There were just so many parts of this film that didn't need to be there. Yeah. Right? There were parts like, like with the demon, the sex demon. <laughs> Like, if you're not going to explain that... If you're not going to explain it and it's not really going to play any real part in it... Then why have then it? Then why have like, it? Like, it just... That feels to me like they were like, oh, yeah, it's not enough tits in this film. Yeah. Well, they they knew what people... In. Well, that's why I said a little bit less 1970s, yeah. a little bit more 1980s, because that's a very much a 1970s thing. It's like, right, we've got to keep people involved in this. Got to keep, The blokes are the ones going to see this film. Yeah. Titties. Well, there's been half an hour. There's been no tits. The seventies was the era of like black exploitation exactly. and all these other all the exploitation like, films that all genres. Just, yeah, it, like you like you said earlier, it was, it was big guys, violence, and tits. Yeah, and you know the 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 even less reputable ones threw in unnecessary amounts of gore. Yeah, which by the sounds of it, this film may have had to start with, but since it was a a bigger release, yeah. we don't get to see that. But yeah, I guess a seven from me because. I mean, the film's as old as I am, and I was—I've seen it three or four times. I was still entertained watching it. Oh, last it was night. thoroughly entertained watching it. It's quite handy because there are so many scenes where nothing happens. <laughs> I also managed to load up a USB with music for my car <laughs> while I was watching this because I could go, "Oh yeah, drag that folder across, that folder across." Oh, the scene's changed, right? There's, is there something I need to pay attention to? <laughs> Another montage, no. Another montage, right? Yeah, no, fine. Have you seen Conan the Destroyer? I don't think I have. You know, because it's not on. It's not on Disney. It's not on Disney. I don't know where. So I'm assuming it must have it. been a different uh, different production company or somebody else holds the rights to it. Yeah, not um, Fox. Yeah, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to dig it out and, and watch it and see if it's worth adding to the list yeah. now we've... I'd like to see it now. I've now we've started. We, start, we sat for the first yeah. one, and if that one's any good, we'll do Red Sonja as well. Yeah. And you know what? Thinking about it, I have seen the remake of Conan. Have you? But the only thing I remember about it is that Ron Perlman plays his dad. Oh, okay. Yeah. Because I was... Oh, maybe I've only seen that bit of it. <laughs> I thought you were going to say. The only thing I remember is no tears. I don't think there were. Oh, of course not. It's 2011. It's 20... Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I just remember Ron Perlman uh, as his dad. But that is literally the only thing I remember. I couldn't tell you who played Tulsa Doom. If you hadn't told me who played Conan, I wouldn't be able to tell you that. I'm not sure. I There's a... There's a like, with a finite amount of time in my life, <laughs> I'm not sure I've got enough. To watch the kind of remake. The, the remake, yeah. If it's not got Arnie in it, I'm not sure Why I really bother? want to watch it. Yeah. yeah, what's the point? Find what you love, believe in it, positive things will happen. Crom? Crom. <laughs>